0: In a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig putting in the hard yards ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Joco Hydrate sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy, supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Joco Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance, and not to mention taste bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code ZEROLIMITS all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. Listeners, as you know, we're a veteran hosted podcast, and we love to support veteran-owned businesses and first responder businesses. Not to mention, we love to support, and we always will support, veteran and first responder charities. In the past, we've had plenty of two commando operators, and obviously in the future, we're going to have plenty more to share their stories, and some of their stories have been absolutely hectic. So what I want to do is just quickly highlight one of these charities that supports our commandos. CAMS Cause is a registered charity created in the name of Corporal Cameron VC VCMG. It's run by a mix of civilians, members of the 2 Commando Regiment, and exists to support current and ex-serving Commandos and their families. CAMS Cause works closely with the Commando Welfare Trusts, and the distinction being that the CWT supports the wider SOCOM community, where CAMS Cause only supports ECN 079 Commandos. Now if you can and if you've got the time, definitely jump onto their website, camscalls.org. Otherwise head to Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. While you're on those sites, definitely throw what you can if you can support them anyway. Otherwise, you know, the least you can do is definitely share and like their stuff. The more awareness we can get out there and help support our commandos, the better. Five, five, one, two. podcast hosted by Australian veterans
1: chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world we'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to let's go
0: Zero Limits listeners on today's Zero Limits podcast, I have a guest all the way from sunny Townsville. He, just a quick one on his background that he's uh, sent through to me. Now, he was a truckie to start off with in the transport call. However, down the track moved into two commando, So we'll definitely touch on this whole story because it's not your typical infantry guy moving into special forces. It's your truckie moving into special forces as an operator on the ground. So mate, welcome, Goodwin, mate. How you doing, mate? Welcome to the mate,
1: show. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on and really appreciate what you're doing and looking forward to the experience.
0: Mate, I appreciate you coming on, and again, mate, sharing your story. As I said, it's not the atypical story from uh, infantry to special forces; it's uh, truck driver to special forces, which is yeah, a, that's right, mate. Yeah. Absolutely, a, a, uh, a bit of a left
1: field one, but yeah,
0: it mate, far out. Mate, before we get cracking on, though, mate, let's let's move back right to the start, younger Malcolm days. Uh, I understand you're born in Mount Isa.
1: Yeah. So, um, yep. Born in Mount Isa in 86. Um, you know, those that don't know Queensland or Mount Isa. So if you go to Townsville, you go about 900 K West. Um, and then you're about 200 K East from the NT border. There's a massive hole in the ground and there's a city around it. Um, and that's called Mount Isa. Yeah. So yeah, essentially the town's built around um, a mine. So they, they mine iron ore there. And, uh, it's like the, the lifeblood of the heart of that city is, is Mount Isa Mines there. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in the mine town, man. And, um, you know, you know, all that stuff that comes along with mine towns and yeah, I spent the first 16 years of my life there.
0: Yeah. What's your heritage? Yeah, so, yeah. I so funny, up, funny picked, to say that. Yeah, yeah. so picked,
1: I'm I'm actually half Maltese, yeah. half Australian. So yeah, right. A lot of people think I'm half Blackfella, half Australia. <laughs> well,
0: that's what you want to yeah, say, yeah, when you so say when you say the
1: word Blackfella. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. No, I get that a lot. And obviously, first name Malcolm. You know, nice tan skin. <laughs> you know, with a, with a, with, a, with a bit of an accent. So yeah, you know, like I got got a, got a lot, of, lot of my good friends are Aboriginal guys, and um, you know, grew up with them and. Well, that stuff. So, yeah, I feel like I'm very familiar with the culture and especially out, out there. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, right, mate. Now, in in regards to your, your family life, mate, you
1: got siblings? Yeah, I do. So, um, my parents separated. I think I was about two years old when they, when they, when they separated. Um, so I've got a a sister, like half sister on mum's side, and I've got a half sister on my dad's side as well. So, essentially two siblings. Um, you know, I'm one real close with both of them. Um, you know, we're like super civil, our family. So, you know, there's no hate there, which is really good. And it was really good growing up. Um, like that too. So sort of, essentially to, yeah, you know, my, my mom remarried. Um, I think I was about six or seven. Um, and he's a really good dude as well. So, um, you know, if it happened to essentially two, two Christmases, that uh, was always a bonus yeah. from, uh, growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I grew up the same
0: way as Craig. Quite...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, um, my real dad, he moved out to Cardinal. Uh, which is about two hours north of Townsville on the East Coast there. So, um, yeah, like, you know, school holidays, I'd always, you know, sometimes punch out to him, uh, would you out the reef, go out the islands, um, sort of grow up like that. It was a really good, um, really good, um, you know, way to grow up as a kid. Yep. To, you know, grow out, out the bush, you know, with the spin effects, you know, the snakes and, and the creeks and fishing out there, then sort of punching out to the Barrier Reef, you know, in between as well. So.
0: Mate, that's probably the best part about that uh, northern Queensland side of things is the, you know, the just the the landscape. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's like dry a majority of the time, but then you obviously got that real green. Up in uh, North Queensland as well on, a, on the coast there. So
0: Yeah, mate. And yeah. how did you go with uh schooling like the rest of us? Didn't apply yeah, yourself yeah.
1: To some typical, yeah, so typical male. Um yeah, mate. So yeah, didn't like <laughs> school, didn't interest me at all, right? So I'd rather be outside playing footy, you know, catching catching snakes, fishing and playing down the creek and trying not to get sucked up in the causeways. So um yeah, did like um, you know, the standard uh preschool to grade seven at a state school. I uh, went to a Catholic school. So in Mount Isa, uh, Catholic high, it was, uh, grade eight, to grade 10, and then it just stopped. So then everyone went to Mount Isa high, or they later changed to Spindex high after uh, 11 and 12. Um, yeah, but for me, um, so my family, my mum and stepdad, they had a really successful crane business and they still do. Um, so they essentially, what I think happened is, um, stepdad John had an argument with a big boss, um, out of Mount Isa Mines, essentially got kicked off the mines. Um, it's, so they, we all moved, packed up to Townsville, and he reestablished the business there, and it just boomed, um, boomed there. So we, me and mum moved to Townsville, and then we obviously started life in Townsville and did a uh, year 12 in Townsville. Got out of Mount Isa. You know, it was probably a good thing, like not really too many people hang around Mount, Mount Isa. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just, but, but then like saying that as well, right, so... Townsville's just Mount Isa by the sea. So everyone just like, <laughs> you know, flocks from Mount Isa to Townsville. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. So yeah.
0: And how'd you yeah. go as, uh, what well, I guess what 17, 17 years old? That's yeah. Stage? So, uh, year
1: 12. So like the big thing, like they ingrained, they ingrained into your like growing up in Mount Isa is like trade. So everyone had to have a trade, right? So whether it be like diesel fitter, you know, sparky, you know, fitter and turner, like it was a trade. So. All through high school, like from year 8 onwards, we would do work placement or work experience, like at a place. Um, and my stepdad, he was a ballmaker, maker. So always did like a lot of ball making work placement, you know, get on the grinders and the welders and the gougers and all that stuff. So when I moved to Townsville, um, next to our workshop, there was a uh, panel beading and spray painting um, business and they're actually looking for a skill based apprentice. So I was like, oh yeah, this school-based apprenticeship. I can start, um, you know, in year 12. Um, so yeah, I'll put my hand up to do that. And, um, I'll get approval to do it twice a week. Um, which would, I, I think it give me, if I did it twice a week for year 12, it would knock off one year of my apprenticeship. So I'm like, oh yeah. So thought that was a good idea. And I thought I would, I'd do that. And then I'd only have three years left. Um, and I'd be a spray, uh, sorry, a panel beater and spray painter. But I just fucking hated working in a shed. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. So I did it for about half a year. Um, but the good thing about it is because I did it two weeks out of the uh, two uh, days out of the week, um, I could drop drop two subjects at school. Um, so I, I don't know what subjects I dropped, but technically, like, essentially at school, I did five subjects. So it was uh, rugby league. It was like English communications, the dumb English. It was like dumb maths, <laughs> like numeracy. Like, yeah, you know, I just yeah. took the piss because oh, yeah. I, oh, I, I, you know, I knew I was in HSC. Yeah, I knew I was going to go into an apprenticeship straight away. Um, then I did like PE, it's like, you know, PE is a subject. And then, um, my most favorable subject was marine studies. So I like aced marine studies, but like all we did was grow barra, like grow barra Monday was our yearly project. And then we, um, went to like, uh, Palm Island North East Island and fished. <laughs> and learning how to drive boats. So, like, it was a great subject.
0: Yeah, right, mate. Yes.
1: Oh, so that was, like, my school. And it was, like, really good. Like, I had so much fun at school. But, like, to answer your question, like, I fucking hated it. I hated, like, learning. It just didn't interest me. So it didn't interest me, so I didn't pay attention. I daydreamed a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, and I, always, and I always knew that, like, I was just going to roll straight into an apprenticeship.
0: So you had no thoughts of the military at all?
1: No. Um, I'll take a step back, though. So... Mm-hmm. When I was in Mount Isa, grade eight, um, I started doing army cadets. So I was at, uh, the unit out there was, uh, 136, um, RCU. I think they're called ACUs now, army yeah. cadet unit. Um, and then when we moved to Townsville, um, I went to 130, um, ACU. So like the military was like in our family, um, from back in World War two days. But at that point in time in my life, like I didn't even think about joining the army. It was about the school based apprenticeship. And sort of trying to make, you know, trying to make that work. Um, and then, yeah, I think, yeah, I was just getting jack of working in a hot shed, um, up in Townsville for two days a week and thought this is going to be my life. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I talked to mum and just said, Oh, I might join the army because I was in the army for this and I really enjoyed it. It's so, so much fun.
0: Yeah. Now any family history? Yes.
1: Yeah. So on my uh, Maltese side, on my mum's side, my granddad was a flag trooper in the Maltese army um in, in Malta during World War Two. So like well, they essentially um I think they're the most bombed country in the Second mm. World War yeah, because of like yeah. where they were. Yeah. Yeah, so he was on he was on the guns. So I think he was on the like the AAA guns um as a flag trooper shooting down the the German and Italian planes.
0: Yeah right, that's hectic. Yeah, and, yeah so yeah. How much of an all that knowledge did you have? Obviously, back then, probably none. Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Look, he he was pretty reserved about. Um, he opened up to me sort of like later on when I was in the army. Um, but I remember we got him into school one day to do a project on him. Um, he was telling a few war stories, and it, yeah, he was just telling about how you know when they used to shoot the planes down they literally had to, like, quickly get over there and, like, finish the guys off to make sure that they were dead. <laughs> yeah, So, yeah, he was telling me a few brutal stories about, like, polishing up his fucking uh, boots, like, looking around the rubble and making sure these dudes are like, ready, waiting for him, you know, with a gun and that. So, yeah, but... So that, that, that's like the only family history we've got uh, in the military is the Maltese Army.
0: Yeah, right, yeah, right. Now, mate, um obviously you finished school in two thousand three, but yeah. two thousand and one, September eleven is the fucking yep. D Day for anyone, uh, you know, our era obviously sent yeah. us all to Afghanistan, mate. Did you have any recollection recollection of that day?
1: Yeah. I think I was like fifteen uh, at the time. Um and I remember waking up and then mum's like, I'll oh, come out, have a look at this. Someone flew a plane into the building and I just didn't know what just all about. I'm like, all right, have a look. And then, yeah, we're watching it. But like, you know, as a 15 year old, you don't really understand the gravity of what's happening. Mm. Um, and definitely didn't know the gravity of what I was about to walk into, you know, 10 years later. So, um, That's but crazy. yeah, look, I remember it in the morning. Um, I was in my pajamas, hadn't had breakfast yet and just got ripped straight out. And I'm just, we're just all watching the TV. And like watch it unfold,
0: yeah, mate. Fuck, just yeah, you had no idea, mate. I was, nah, yeah, I was what, zero. 17 and same thing, mate. I, I still had no idea, you know, just yeah, watching cheese yeah, yeah. TV in the morning and then, yeah, far out, yeah, cheese TV, yeah, Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> mate. Uh, so the following year, 2004, yeah, mate, this is where you uh, you decide to.
1: Call yeah. 13,
0: 19, 01. I, Yeah. So the Army of the Edge. I
1: think pretty sure that that's that ad that was playing at the time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, so I take it back to year 12 when I was applying for the army. So, um, I originally went in there and said, yep, I want to trade. So I originally applied as a diesel fitter. But because, like, my grades were shit and I was, you yeah, know, I was dumb essentially. Um, The only real options they gave me, uh, was, um, uh, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't because uh, infantry wasn't, no, they were full. No, you went, you went dumb. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So I went dumber. Right. So the only two options they had was artillery or a driver. And I I remember getting my P plates like a week before because I drove there. Um, and I'm like, I was just you know like Fast and Furious come out that year. I had like a Mitsubishi Lancer, you know, I like bolted on a um, a muffler on it. Uh, they constantly fell off and dragged um, behind the car. You know, I put rims on it, so I was like, you know, hooked on driving. So I'm like, yeah, yeah fuck yeah, I'll, I'll join as a driver. Um, and sort of that's how that's how I come about being a driver. So it was just literally from your Lancer. Yeah, in my Mitsubishi Lancer, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Classic, mate. So, obviously, yeah, yeah mate. And then yeah, uh, yeah, offered, yeah. offered a position as a, as a truckie.
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, I played footy pretty heavily in year 12. So, you know, I was, I was fit anyway. Um, so, all that fitness stuff didn't really worry me. And, yeah, um, I think it was, yeah, the, the 4th of May, since Um it was my enlistment date. Uh, jumped on a plane, um, went to Sydney, I uh, jumped on the bus to Sydney Airport and, yeah, drove down to Wagga Wagga, uh, Puka.
0: Yeah, mate. How uh, did you, uh, how'd you find out? And how many, yeah, how many look, blokes were on, uh, on this bus? Uh, fuck it. Yeah, it was
1: pretty full, I'd say, About 50 people I think the bus can hold. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, honestly, I didn't mind it because like, during cadets, every year you do like a promotions course. So for fast anyway in Queensland, we used to go to um, uh, like an all-aboriginal school up near Ingham called Abergarry. So during like a school holiday period, we would essentially go up there for two weeks and you do like your corporal's courses. If you're looking to promote a corporal, you do your sergeant courses. So like that was pretty like military rise anyway. We had like, you know, chocos coming in, helping mm-hmm. us out. And essentially it was like a little mini, like a puka or um, promotions course. So, you know, all that shit, like carrying your, carrying your bag in your left hand, you know, getting in step, all that stuff, like it was sort of like, second nature to me anyway because I was doing it since I was in year eight. So it wasn't as big as a shock as, as some of the other people. But yeah, like, you know, six weeks, um, you know, we got like fed three times a day. That's where I learned um, how to eat extremely fast and I still like maintain that, which my wife absolutely hates because we go off to like a nice fancy restaurant and I'm just there like bell <laughs> feeding this like Wagyu steak <laughs> and she's still like on the first like, you know, king prawn. So yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so at, at that time, uh, Kapuka was six weeks. Yeah. So it was nice and short. so It was great. Yes. days.
0: What's that, sorry? I think it was 45 days to be exact.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. But I remember, I remember yeah. like, remember we got like one day out in town? Yeah. Uh, we used to watch the movie um, and they breathed all of us coming home, coming back, I remember that. Uh, so that was, was on the gas. Um, but yeah, like I was obviously like one of the youngest. So I was 18 at the time. Um, and, yeah, the older dudes that were chocos and they were, like, killing it, right? They got, like, some and all that stuff, so, which I didn't really care about. Like, I just wanted to get through it
0: um, and get on to the next stage. Any other transportees in the in the platoon?
1: Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was a few. Um, so, I remember, um, I remember that badge and we had to um, understand, like, yeah, um, like the duty statement. We had to all, like, rem- rem- memorize our duty statement yeah. and all that stuff. And there, there were a couple of us. But um a large majority were infantry um guys that were in there.
0: What yep. is that what is that statement for the oh, fucks fuck. I don't know. Kick the tyres first straight, off you <laughs> go or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so probably something from Fast and Furious. Yeah, I don't know, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> mate, uh is there anything you struggle with uh, down at Kapuka?
1: not that I can remember. Um, you know, probably the most the, the most like, you know, um, not a shocking thing, but like gut checking thing is just that like sense of urgency training. Yeah. How they get you to like get dressed and all that stuff in different attire. But actually the one thing that did shock me was the cold because, you know, Townsville is Townsville. And then that was like the furthest south I've ever been. Um, and then it was, it was cold. It was probably only like 20 degrees, but to me, like doing that first like early morning PT sessions, like on that wet, cold grass. Um, that, that's like, holy fuck, like, yeah, you know, what I signed myself <laughs> up to? But, you know, that, that was probably the worst it got for me,
0: too. Truth. Yeah. Right. Mate. And then obviously you, uh, graduate, uh, pass out. And if, did your mum come down?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mum, um, mum, sat stepdad. And I think, um, my aunties come down because they, they live in, uh, Richmond in Sydney. So, yeah. So they all came down, done the march out parade. And it was like hammering down rain, wet and cold on a march out parade. And, you know, those old, um, as Howard Green.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: mate, it was got heavy. at home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, mate, that was, that was heavy. Um, but yeah, he got, got through that and then, yeah, um, we posted, uh, everyone obviously went, Starburst went their separate ways to their respective calls. Um, and my driver's course didn't start for two weeks, so I went uh, down to Latchford Barracks down at um, Orbiel Wodonga into a hold, holding platoon there.
0: Yeah, nice yep. mate. And um, how was that transition into IETs? I suppose you know different different scenario, bit yeah, more yeah, focused on the job.
1: Yeah, it's just like you know, still like very structured, very formal because it's you know like a school environment. Um. And yeah, we just got to drive um like at Lashford, we did our like comms course, that like the basic comms course and like a NAVEX as well. Like a basic nav course that you had to do. Um and then yeah, we went down to Pacapunel, down to the school there at ALTC. And yeah, done our basic drivers course, which at the time was the uh the Land Rovers and the MOGs.
0: Yeah, right. So yeah. it's like yeah. only those two vehicles.
1: Yeah, at the time it was, yeah. So um, that's all it is, was back then. It was, yeah, the MOG, which was an MR, mm. medium rigid vehicle, and the, and the Land Rover, which was like just a, just a like ball. light vehicle, whatever they're called, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right.
0: Yep. And how did you find that eight weeks, mate? Obviously, you had the skills from the Lancer. Yeah, that's it, mate. Said. Yeah, fucking ripping out of that, <laughs> out the of the pocket
1: range, handbraking around the corners and just spinning out, getting in trouble, getting it bogged. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like it was all right. Like, it was, you know, just learned how to drive two vehicles and then yep. – like all the all the basic like maintenance, fault finding. Um, probably the best part was the uh, like the the off road, the uh the off road phase where we'd essentially go out for a week and just get them bogged and learn how to recover. Um and all that stuff, which I think was pretty cool, pretty good to learn. Um, but yeah, you yeah, know, it was just a I think it was like a eight week driver's course. Um, nothing crazy about it. Like, you know, some of the like the specimens they go through, you know, transport, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it can't be that hard. And it, it wasn't that hard, honestly.
0: How are you How are you treated by the rank structure? You know, obviously you move into the SF world, so it's a little bit, you know, you know I mean. Yeah, like um,
1: you get you know, I can remember, like, it was, you know, very, like, conventional. Like, you know, yes, corporal, no corporal, calling people by their last names, you know, private Goodwin. Yeah. You know, all We're that stuff. Are like so. adult, in a way? Oh, uh, yeah, more of an adult than... Older platoon and more of an adult than, you know, Kapuka. Yeah. Um, you know, got, got a bit more freedom. Obviously got weekends off. Um, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Started sort of going to the gym a bit, a bit more, Mm. had a bit more time to go to the gym, sort of on the weekends and after work. Um, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't anything too crazy at the time. Um, yeah, but I, I put my hand up to go back to Townsville. So. When we all got asked, like, where do you want to go? I'm like, oh, I'll go back to Townsville because that's where all my friends are more important and obviously my family. Um And when the posting was come out, I got two hour. I'm like, oh, yes, sweet. Going back to Townsville, but two hour. this will be good. And then literally that afternoon, um, me and two of my buddies got that taken off us oh, and no. given one the 26 transport. Where is that? that? Literally on the other side of the fence. Oh, is it? Yes. Like same block of concrete. Just there's a fence in the way. Oh. I'll yeah, so we just I'm um, just like, oh fuck me, Puckapunyal.
0: Oh, you know, i like oh, oh, sorry, you stayed in Pucker.
1: Yeah, in Pucker. Oh, yeah, I so stopped. that's where the school was. Yeah, so oh, went yuck. from Holy platoon down to Puckapunyal, which was uh, the school of trucks. Yeah, and 26 at the time. Um, they've moved up to Amberley now, up in, uh, up in the Ipswich. Um, but at the time, like that's where they were down in Puckapunyal. Mm. Yeah, so literally just jumped the fence and went to 26 transport.
0: Yeah, yeah. So obviously yeah. you report to your um twenty six uh, transport and how was that, mate?
1: Well, the the day I was meant to march in, I actually went back to um so the, when we finished the course, there's he us caught the train up to um back up to Bandiana and got on the gas all weekend up there. <laughs> and I actually got hospitalized. So, um I had to ring up um the duty call for the twenty six. Um, and my second, my new seco that I've never met, that I've never much seen had to drive and pick me up and bring me back. Oh no. So that was a good start to the unit. And so I was on guard then for like a month, um, <laughs> or every weekend. Yeah. If, and that, that was like my hello. Yeah. You know, right. Probably a good one reporting for duty. Yeah, yeah. So off to a good start at the start. So
0: yeah, right. I mean, just yeah. just for the listeners out there, when he says the gas, he's not on the fucking MDMA or anything. No, 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 Just the booze. Yeah.
1: <laughs> got on the booze, yeah. So got on the booze, yeah. Yeah, because we had like a good little like, um because we made a few friends over that two weeks up yeah, there, Yeah. and they were all like wanting to go down to um Watsonia. yeah, yeah. You know, all over the place. So we just thought we'd catch up one one last time, but it just, it just got out of hand as as it does when you're you know, 18 years old and. You know, full of adrenaline because you're about to go into this whole new environment. Yeah. Yeah, yep.
0: Definitely, definitely. So yep. you spend what, um that whole year, two thousand five, and this is where you discover obviously Australian special forces. This is where you understand what's going on. There's a broader army
1: out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, we I'm I sent to twenty six um in two thousand and four. Um, and then essentially uh my first gig, so we got we got in and then literally two weeks later, uh, we had to do like an ACAP. So an ACAP is essentially, I don't know what it stands for, but essentially engineers go up to like remote uh, communities, like all through Northern uh, Australia, and they help build like schools or help build or maintain the villages. Um, so we had a gig to go up there, up to Cairns it was, to pick up a heap of equipment. And because for those that don't know 26 Transport, so 26 Transport – um is like well it was I am unsure like the structure now, but it was like the heavy movers um of the Australian army. So they all they had was like Mac fleet liners, like the old school Macs that used to go at Bush or the S liners that used to pull the cent pull the uh, road trains. Um and because like all of us that got posted in, they only had our MOG license essentially. And I think the rule back then you had to rack up like four thousand Ks in a MOG before you could qualify to go get your your heavy license. So there was like six of us, three mogs, like driving up to Cairns and back from Pucker on this A cap. So, um, but like that was my first like, uh, road trip and like it, it was a good unit because like if you're single and, um, you're on the road all the time, like, uh, the amount of time, like the, I was away a lot more on the road than I was back in the compounds at 26. But yeah, uh, to your question before. So yeah, 2005, um, I was I think it was a telesmith saber. It was, yeah. And I was at uh CSI Rocky. Yeah, well it was called CSI Rocky then. I don't know what it's called now. But basically I was in um I I didn't know about special forces. Like I was just a dumb truck and all I like to do was drive trucks. So like any all that stuff, infantry, like combat call, like it didn't really it didn't really interest me because I, I wasn't really exposed or fully understood. Understood it. And um I was lined up for a meal at the mess there, um, during a of Saber and I just saw this dude and he was a big motherfucker, right? So he was he was like a, a big fit dude. You could tell he was a big fit dude and he had like a longer hair. He wasn't shaven. And what got me though was like because, you know, being at like a full conventional unit, like ASODs. So, you know, the army standards of dress, right? And like my shirt was always ironed, always had my rank tag on, always had my name tag on, always had my boots blouse, always wearing terrors, uh, which is the type of boots that you got issued back then. And I saw this dude and he had like the black jungle boots on, his pants weren't bloused, no name tag, no rank. And I'm looking at him and go, who the fuck is that? And I'm just staring and staring and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out and then but like, Well, I, I didn't know, like I said before, special forces, oh, I had no idea. Australia had special forces. I didn't even know what they really were. And then my buddy goes, mate, he's probably SF," And I'm like, SF? I go, what's SF? And he's just like, there's special forces. And I looked at him, I go, what the fuck is special forces? And he told me all about it. And I'm like, holy shit, like there's stuff like that out there? So I was I was like thinking about it all like a road trip, got back uh, to the to the transport squadron, jumped on like the DRN at the time and um, found like the SFTC, the Special Forces Training Centre website. And I'm reading through it, I'm reading through it, and I'm like, fuck, this sounds all right. Um, and I just said, yeah, fuck it, I'm doing it. I just made the D right there and then, and I printed out, the 13-week program, and um, me and a buddy, me and a buddy of mine just yeah, made the decision. Uh, his brother was at 2 Commando, or at 4 hour at the time, and he goes, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it with you. And um yes, two thousand five. That's sort of when the when the journey started, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. So you fucking start that journey of uh, understanding what SF is. So as you said, you do the thirteen week uh course. Yep. And then uh Well, I
1: actually, I actually did that twice. You did it twice. Yeah, well I was a uh, fucking fat trucky, like yeah. you know no upper <laughs> body strength. You know, all I did was play handball and volleyball for PT. You know, I went to, I went to the gym now and then, but just done like disco muscles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, ate ate meat pies and red balls on the road. And you know, yeah. it didn't really look after my fitness. So, um, yeah, to get to a standard to, to pass my first SVET, uh, which was the special forces entry test. So it was like the, the buy-in at the time to be able to even attempt a selection course. Mm. Um, I had to do that program twice. So essentially like, 26 weeks. Um, and, and that got me to like a basic standard. Um, which like at, at the time, knowing what I know now and my journey after this, like the bare minimum, like isn't good enough. Like you need a bit more than the bare minimum. And I just had the bare minimum. So, um, when I did my first SFET, I think it was at the end of that year, 2005, um, I just scraped in on everything. So, um, just got the 60 pushups, um, just got the 10 heaves, you know, they were generous. Like whoever was assessing me was like generous with those heaves. Um, the 2.4, not too bad. But the biggest thing for me, Matty, was um, I sweat a lot. And um, the 15 clicker, the pack marches, was more like um, my killer's heel. So I would just like have massive cramps and, and sort of like my mind, I, I wasn't used to my body hurting like it was, and my brain was not conditioned to push through that pain. And I just got through, um, I just got through by like a minute on, on the 15 clicker and obviously, you know, suitable. And at that time, um, I put in the application, uh, to apply uh for SASR. So I had to go do the, uh, SASR card course. Um, and it was a 2006 course that I wanted to do. So essentially I had about six months, um, in 2005 to, to get to a standard, um, to pass that course, um. But yeah. And then I, I took all my leave, um, that year as well. Uh, went up to Townsville to mums, uh, she lives out bush a bit. And, um, yeah, just, just trained as, as much as I can, as much as the body let me, to, um, to try to like get myself to a standard, uh, to, to confidently, you know, try to do that, that card of course in 2006.
0: How was your unit? What, what were they thinking? This fucking trucking.
1: Oh, uh, well, to be honest, mate, they were fucking idiots about it. To tell you the truth. At yeah, the start. Right. Yeah, they were. So um a few times like they wouldn't submit my application. Um it just got lost. And you're know, like, Yep, so it just got lost. So I'd always followed up and um we like at the th- at the time there's a few like bad leaders there. Uh like l- young lieutenants straight out of like the college or where they come from. Um and they just had a bit of a like power trip. Um, you know, bullying these kids around. So a few times they lost it, um, and I end up I ended up getting on contact with a fella directly at SFTC and I sort of went around my chain of command and, and, and just sent it to him and that's how we got through and then once it gets through then it, it all comes down you know top down like he's he's on this fit, he's going on this selection course and, and they didn't like that too much Um, but yeah, I didn't give a fuck to you truth like I said this is what I wanted to do and yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like if you want stuff to happen, you have to make it happen yourself. No one going to go do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? Like, and they shitted me as well. And this is one of the like the reasons why. One of the reasons why, like, I had so much drive to get out of there. So, like, for those that don't know the thirteen week program, um, so you essentially do like a morning sesh, which is about an hour and a half, two hour sesh, and then you got like an afternoon sesh. Um what they wouldn't let me to do, what they didn't allow me to do, they didn't allow me to do my two-hour 30 week program sesh as the unit's morning PT sesh. Um, they said, no, nah, you need to do unit PT. Um, i like, no dramas. Unit PT was fucking volleyball or handball or soccer. So it was like a nothing PT sesh. So I was getting up at like four in the morning, like smacking out this two hours of like cardio. And then coming and playing volleyball for for an hour. So it didn't make sense to me. And and, and in my opinion, that's like not common sense. You know, if you've got like a dude that wants to better themselves, like, and if they're not like taking the piss, then, you know, why not? Um, but at that point in time, um, they didn't allow that, which is cool. It it didn't matter. Like I've got to done it at, at the end of the day. And it was just more drive to sort of get out of like that, that position. Yeah. So, um, but, like, other than that, like, we had some good leaders there as well. Like, some of these corporals were like good dudes and they, and they, like, sort of helped me out as well. They could. But yeah, a corporal can only do so much, um, you know, when, when an LT or, or a captain's been a fuckwit.
0: Yeah. Right. Now, from here, you basically head over to Perth and attempt this, uh, SASR selection. Now, how is it? you know, a truckie going into yeah, SASR mate. selection. And, you know, majority of the, I'm, I'm sure the candidates were fucking inventory. I'd I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so I was like shitting myself because like, I just didn't know what to expect. And um I remember we're in the airport. Um we're in the I think we're on a connecting flight somewhere. I think we're, I think we're on a connecting flight to Adelaide. Um No, actually no, we flew into Perth airport and we're waiting for a bus. And like people were talking about the kid check and like they're talking like, you know, you have to have exactly what's on the list. You can't have any more. You can't have any less. And I brought an ET, but the ET wasn't on the list. So I had this fucking ET. And I'm just like shitting myself. Right? I've got this ET on and I'm going to get booted, you know, day one. They're going to do a kid check. I've got this ET. It's not on the list. So I, I like chuck it up my shirt. I walk into the toilets in the, um, at the airport and just throw this thing in the bin. Oh, you, I'm just like, yeah, I threw it in the bin, mate. Yeah. Sorry, so j- I didn't just,
0: to... just for the listeners to ET is entrenching tool, which is, yeah. So essentially it's like, fo-
1: yeah, like, yeah, fold up shovel. Like one end has got like a pick and the other end has got like a little spade. <laughs> you yeah. In the airport. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I just threw, I threw it in the bin in, in the toilets in the airport. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you know, and I was just peeking from the start. And anyway, so I got off the bus and from what I can remember, like we had to run with all our gear up to a certain point. Uh, we laid it all out, uh, like full kit check, like strip they naked uh you know, hold, hold up your jocks hold up your socks put them on and all that stuff so um and then yeah we'll, we'll straight into it and um yeah i remember the first like day or so was um well, the first couple of days was the individual phase so they you do you like your your 3.2k run your, your 50 or 60 push-ups your, your 10 he's um and then your 20 clicker and I, and, I, and like none of, like we didn't have watches on at the time, and I knew like the Achilles heel here is going to be um the twenty clicker, and, and it was like um the other ones I don't think I had an issue with, like I think I met time, um, and I definitely met like the push ups and he's because I was pretty solid with them at, at that point in time, um but the twenty clicker um yeah I knew I knew once I start cramping I'm I'm about twelve k's in, and I started cramping about twelve k's in, and then like. People were just like passing me and I just knew that like, fuck, I'm going to fail this. And it was just like going on in my head. I just kept pushing through and I had to stop. Like the, 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 the cramps were like that intense for me, like up all on my thighs, all on my quads, like up my, uh, abs, like into my chest. Like my body was just not liking what was happening to it. And, um, yeah, got, got that. Like I wasn't, I, I wasn't last and there were a fair few people behind me, but. I know like the time blew out. Um yeah, so from there we done like a bit of a, a bit of a weapons phase. Had all these weapons I fucking had no idea about. Had like MP5s, M4s, all this shit as a transporty, like you just don't get exposed to. And then they bought out the the 50 cal, like the the BMG, right? And I saw this thing, I'm like, holy fuck, look at this cannon. I didn't know it was a fifty cal, I'd never seen one before in my life. And they're like teaching us how to strip it, and you know, take the bolt out, and you know, take the bolt apart. You know, on a field strip, take the barrel off. And I'm just looking at this thing. I'm like, holy shit! Like, like, oh, I'm well underdone here. Um, so so yeah, done a few like little um, like exercises, little ball rings. Um, sort of got through it all. Like, I I was like struggling. I was on wood. I definitely admit that. Um, and then we done like the Navex. Um. The Navex phase and then, yeah, uh, one night on the Navex. and I, was, and I was shit at Navex too, like, because when I was in transport, well, like, we I worried on the road or the little time we did have, um, like at base, I'd ask people like, Oh, can, can you help me out? Like navigating, can you set up like a, like a NavX for me? And, and people were like, Oh, I don't even know how to Navex, So I can't really help you out. And like a lot of the old grunts, like just really, you know, if, it just, you know, it wasn't, they weren't interested in it. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't want to push it. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm, this is me. I'm, I'm doing this. So I don't want to like burden anyone else who's trying to help me out. Um, so yeah, one night on the NAVX, so I just fucking ate shit. Um, it was like somewhere the heaps of like fallen trees and sputtered in and I snapped my hand. So it broke your hand. It was like I punched the ground, like broke a metacarpal. Um, and I, I couldn't even hold my weapon properly. So I got through that. Um, got picked up in the truck on, on like the last checkpoint. And then, yeah, they, obviously they, they call, they wind you up and they call out numbers. Essentially they're going to get bozzed and my number was one of those. Um, and I think it was about day 10, day nine or 10, I think that was, um, yeah, got, got bozzed. Um, you know, went into like a tent, uh, showed the medic at the time my hand. He goes, yeah, mate, you, you've broken this metacarpal. Um, so I don't know how well I would have gone anyway, um, further, even if I got through that sort of little phase. Um, and then, yeah, I saw there was a, there was a commando fellow there, uh, a four hour guy helping out. Well, he was at SFTC at the time, obviously, but he was, a, he was a, um, um, a Greenberry guy. And he said, look, mate, if, if this is the path you want to go down, like, highly recommend, um, you try out for four hour commando. Um, if that's something you want to do as a, and use that as a stepping stone into SASR. And I'm like, Oh, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it, but I'll, I just wanted to, you know, get back home and get this hand fixed up and just sort of reflect. Um, and just see if that's, a, if that's where I want to go, um, in life. So, yeah, got back, uh, flew back to Puckar, um, straight into surgery down in Melbourne,
0: uh, get a plate put in my hand. Oh, shit. So you fucking full on damaged it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So got the plate still in there now. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, obviously it's fucked now, like the arthritis and all that stuff. And just yeah. hands, my, my hands are a weak sometimes. So, but yeah, yeah. So got, <laughs> got that on, on the selection course and, um, yeah, so sort of went from there. That, that was essentially 2006, and um, yeah, got better. And then, yeah, back on the road, 26, um, up and down the east coast and up the guts, mate.
0: Yeah, so the just, just back to work, back to driving. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. uh, mate, this is where you obviously start getting that inkling about uh, two commando or four RR. Yeah, so um,
1: yeah, went back on the road again essentially for the next like six months. And then obviously dealing with all the, the boobery and the bullshit that comes sort of with like, you know, that, that point in time at, at that unit. And I said, yeah, nah, uh, nah, conventional. Um, and I, I, when I was over in Perth, right. So I just saw these like, these like men, these like, you know, men that are like super f- professional, like they're, they were violent during selection course. But once you're off it, like they were really good human beings. Um, and it was just a different vibe over there. And, um, when I went back to, uh, the transfer squadron, like I'm not saying there's nothing wrong, there's anything wrong with the transfer squadron, but for me personally, that's not what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted something else. Um, and I, yeah, I made the deal. I go, yeah, fuck it. I am going want to do this. Um, so I'll keep, I'll keep the fitness up. Um, and I'll start this, um, this commando path and see, see where that takes me. Yeah. So yeah, on the road and, you know, it's, it's hard, hard to keep fitness on the road because essentially I was driving, uh, flea liners at the time. Um, so yeah, we we're doing like big legs. Um, and so sort of every, t- every two hours, you meant to have like a 10 minute break, uh, as, as a driver in the defense force. Um, so yeah, like that 10 minute break, I was just doing push ups, doing push ups. Like I built like a, a heat bar that I bolted onto the, the truck, doing push ups like all throughout the day during my stops and, uh, once we pulled up at like a showgrounds or at a truck stop, I'd put that heave bar on, I'd do snake bites. So I'd like, you know, those that don't know what snake bites are, they're essentially, you started like, um I think it's like, you started like 10 push-ups uh, and there was like 20 push-ups, 10 heaves. And as soon as you finish, you have like 30-minute break, then you go like 18 push-ups, nine heaves. And I just fucking did them like up and down like the East Coast and across the Nullarbor, you know, across the Kimberley, up and down the steel for, for like the next six months while we're on the road. So sort of kept that fitness up and um, put all the paperwork into to yeah, go down that uh, commando
0: path. Yeah, right. So you chuck that paperwork, you mate, get it yep. accepted, and then uh, obviously you've got to move into the infantry side of things.
1: Yeah, so technically I was still posted uh, to Twenty Sixth Transport Squadron as a driver because I, I wasn't infantry qualified yet, so I was still there. Um, so I started, uh, the, um, infantry training up at Singleton. I'm pretty sure that was April. Uh, and at that point in time, it was like a three month course. Um, and that was, yeah, I think April to June. And yeah, and singer, was fucking awesome. Like, I, I really it's enjoyed a good it. Place. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, like the corporals, um, like the TLs that we had, like, they're really good dudes. Um, they're really good dudes. And, um, you know, they had the rugby team there as well. So. I remember like our first week there, um, they sat us in a the room. They're like, "Look, um, you know, singleton. I think they called the singleton boars. Singleton's got like a rugby team. Um, we highly encourage people not to play because if you get injured, um, you'll get back squatted to the next platoon, and you could be here for a fair period of time. But they they said like it's always open to to um, your recruits that come through to play for the for the army team." And I'm like, fucking A, I'm playing, I'm playing. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I started playing, playing, uh, the, for the rugby team. And, uh, there's a fella, uh, Triple J. So Triple J was my, uh, TL. He was, he was the corporal there in charge of my section. And he played the hooker in the rugby team. And yeah, he said, I'll come down to training and, and have a run and had a run. And I'm like, yeah, now nah, I'm fucking playing this. Yeah. So I remember, I'm pretty sure the first game I was on the sideline watching and I just got that inkling that I wanted to get out there. And I said, no, I can't do this. I'll have to play. So. Um, luckily for me, like I didn't get injured and, uh, it was great, great time playing, like in the team because you play with all, like the, the corporals that are there, like the sergeants and, you know, some of the students as well would, would sort of pop in as they come through. So, um, yeah, played, played rugby, going through a single. Um, but yeah, just really enjoyed, um, you know, just soldiering, you know, heading out bush, um, doing fields. you know, I used to love going to the field because, you know, the field's the field. It's like operations, right? you like, you know, why you're there. There's no like outside noise that the fox would be in the field. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, that was at the time was, was three months. So, um, and obviously, like, yeah, you know, rip and tear it in Newcastle as well on the weekends. Uh, um Yeah. <laughs> f- yeah. fannies, mate. Yeah. Yeah. fannies, and, um, yeah, there's the other ones. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Fanny's, Fanny's was a favorite. Yeah,
0: mate. Yeah. So, is there anything you uh, struggled with uh, in infantry training or you just grasped that? No. Nah, no, nah, it, um, well? nah, it
1: was good. Yeah. No, nah, because I was, I was a senior dude anyway. So I was always made like the, the 2IC, you yep. uh, know, essentially yep. the platoon. So I was like the platoon 2IC because I had it like, um, well, I had three years already under my belt, essentially in, in, in army. Um, a lot of the dudes coming through were 18 year old kids. Yeah. Straight out of school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, no, I didn't struggle with anything. And, and like I really enjoyed it too, because it sort of gave me that, um, bit of responsibility, um, to help guys out, even though I was a, a trans-40, I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of the mill skills comps, um, like for foot nine FSB at the time. Um, so I did know like the base, like the basic stuff. And obviously, uh, single refined that, uh, made you a bit more proficient in a lot of that, uh, the green skills. Um, and I just really enjoyed like helping out like the kids, um, coming through and, you know, showing them a few things i learned on the way and, and sort of just having like a good like optimal like platoon going
0: through and helping the corporals out. Yeah, nice, mate. So you finish that first 12 uh, weeks and then you move on to advanced uh, infantry training, mate. How'd you? What, yeah, what's, on right. that? what's on that course?
1: Yeah, so at the time, um, it was a really good course as well. So um, at the time, the advanced infantry training course was essentially the sub two for corporal for the SF guys. So it was at Singleton as well. It was eight weeks. Excuse me. Um and we had dudes from four commando and s a s r coming on to do their corporate course so what would happen is um the corporals or the guys on the corporals course um from the from socom uh we would essentially be their team um so they would they would essentially groom and mentor us um to pass uh a selection course because the only dudes that were on the a i t course were either the direct entry guys or like the non-combat course or the non-infantry uh, course that were attempting either um, a commando selection or there was actually one fella on there. He was a clearance diver. Um, he passed SASR selection, but he just needed his green skills, um, you know, bumped up. So they chucked him on the AIT course just to get his green skills bumped up because obviously, you know, clearance diver, mm. um, you know, they don't really get too much um, time in the green. So. Yeah, but that, that was a really good course. That, but that was a hard course because we had, um, those dudes, man, like they were super professional, uh, like the corp, like the SOCOM guys, super professional. And they just smashed us. Like they were, they were like making us super fit, you know, super drilled, all like the tactics, all the, all the, like the green roll stuff, like was like, like uh, massaged or molded through those guys. So uh, and I think that was one of the reasons why it set up a few of us for success on the commando course the following year. This looks course, cool, sorry,
0: yeah, right, mate. So once you finish uh, advanced infantry training, you move, uh, you basically get uh, posted to the third train, however,
1: yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was, yeah. I'll tell you a story later on about this story, but um, yeah, so um, so let's go back before I went to singo on the AIT course, yep. Um, so I knew I wasn't coming back to 26, so I knew that. Um, I was either uh, I got the posting order to 3RR at the time because I was infantry qualified. I was actually getting posted into 3RR as a, a rifleman in one of the rifle uh, uh, companies. Um, So, and I knew um, if I was to go to 3RR after the AIT course, it wouldn't set me up for success in training for selection um, and being in that environment at SFTC, at Singleton surrounded by SF guys. Mm. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't allow me to do that. I'd be, uh, like at another conventional unit, probably getting fucked on, um, you know, going bush or doing something and not really giving me the best chance to success uh, for a selection, selection course. So what I did, I might set at 26, um, I might have forged a few documents and essentially I got my stuff stored um, in DHA storage um, for a period of time because uh, the rule was back then if you're going overseas or if you're on a course for 12 months or more, DHA or the Defense House in Australia would store all your stuff until whatever happened was finalized. So whether you're back from your course or back from overseas. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did that. I essentially got DHA to come pick up all my gear, uh, from Seymour where I was uh, living at the time working at a pocket pony. And then, so I had no stuff. And then I went to, uh, SFTC, um, for the AIT course. Um, there's a gentleman there called, uh, Rod Stiles. He helped me out a lot, uh, getting through, um, sort of this, this sort of phase. And I said, Rod, look, this is what's going on. Um, I've marched out of 26. Um, can I stay here over the Christmas period and train with the direct entry guys? um with this with the SOCOM uh, PDI. And he goes, Yep, as long as you um got the go ahead from your posting unit, it's all good. I go, yeah, no, nah, approves it. And he goes, yeah, that's good enough for me. <laughs> so he goes, he give me, he gives me a meal card. And he goes, Well you've already got a bed, so uh there you go, you're sorted. So I'm like, yeah, thanks, mate. So um after uh I did the AOT course, oh, I turned my phone off. So I turned my phone off, bought a new SIM card, um and yeah, I stayed there, um, with the direct entry guys trained over Christmas time. Um, and then yeah, um, come back to Townsville for a couple of weeks, had some leave, kept training in Townsville and then back in January, um, and hooked back in, uh, training for selection.
0: Yeah. Right. So technically AWOL from the third day.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. And, um, like later on down the track, they figure it out. And then I have to go sort of like, um, not a fucker, but like, just you know, take care of business. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Right. Far yeah. out. We could have uh, could have hung out in the third scene. Yeah, probably I mean, are, it was you pretty good. Lot- yeah, I think uh, a, I was. have been be a fucking lid, mate. So you, you would have probably <laughs> spat on me. I think we were all in Timor at that stage in the two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah, yep. there was a whole oh, there was a whole bunch of boys training for two commander at that stage as well. It's quite. The, yeah. Three hour, hour was very accommodating for blokes p- wanting to go SF. Which was yeah, a good thing. Yeah. I just, I just wasn't sure, mate. And, yeah. yeah. I just didn't yeah, know course, it, was, yeah. it was unknown
1: to me and I, I only could really control what was in front of me. Yeah. And so that's, so I just managed to put all my eggs in my basket and, and whatever was going to happen, I'll, I'll, I'll would have front up to it, but you know, I got away with it, which was good.
0: Yeah. Right. So, mate, as you said, uh, you started the commando selection and training course, Feb, uh, 08. Yeah. I'm pretty sure
1: it was Feb 08. Yeah. Um, I think that went for five weeks at that point in time at SFTC, um, or the Special Forces Training Salary was called the Commando Selection and Training Course. So there was a selection uh, component part of it, and then they went into training, um, essentially training with like, um, Commando Team Tactics and, uh, SF weapons, um, as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so did that. Um, but I was, I was, I was shitting myself because, two weeks before I rolled my ankle. So I've got, I've got bad ankles. I used to play touch, um, pretty flat out, um, in transport. And I used to roll my ankles all the time. And we're doing a sesh. And I remember like just running through like, um, like undulating ground and just, my, my left ankle just went. And then, um, had to hobble off to the RAP. They put me in crutches. And like, this was like two weeks out from selection. And I'm just like, fuck, what am I going to do here? Um, but yeah, and, and i up getting through it. Just done some physio. Um, and you just you know, I just pushed through because like there was no way I was going you know back
0: back to conventional um like I just had to get through yeah right so obviously you pass the selection and then yep. basically offered a position within the, within the reinforcement cycle
1: yeah yeah so um you yeah, pass selection and um well there's a f- few I'll tell you a cool story on selection yeah, so yeah, definitely, um, definitely. yeah so uh, good good buddy of mine. He he's passed now. So Merv McDonald. So um oh, he's a good buddy I'll, of mine we'll, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll talk a bit more about Merv yeah, lot, we'll like later ahead. on as well. But yeah, for sure. I'm, like I, like I, there's a few like key moments in that I'll never forget in a selection course, and one was like the day I met Merv. Yeah. So it's probably about two weeks in, um, or about a weekend. A lie about about a weekend, and like none of us have had showers yet. Um, so we all, we all stunk and I remember uh, we we're all in like, we we're on the back of a couple of mugs and do you know, I Singo how there's those water towers there where mm. the trucks come in to yeah, fill yeah. up the water? Yep. So they all dumped, they all dumped us off there. And, um, my old, my, one of my CSMs are, are like, um, in 2012, he was, he was a, a, one of the DS on selection, one of the senior guys. Um, he's just like, all right, all right, boys Sh- strip butt naked. And he turned on, he turned on the hose. And like this massive jet of water just come like fucking hammering down. He goes, "There's your shower. Get, get stuck into it." And um, and Merv was the only dude, right, that just didn't hesitate. Just got <laughs> fucking butt naked like immediately. <laughs> and there was no one going with him. And I'm like, "I'm fucking going with you, buddy." So yeah. I just got butt naked as well. Like ran into this shower, and he just, in the the DS just like looked at us and goes, "What the fuck? What are you cunts doing?" Like. Get changed. We're going back to the shower block, and then here's like me and Merv, like looking at each other, like butt naked. It's starkest. and we're like, oh, well, we're cool. better cool. because no one was, no one was getting, no one was stripping naked in front of each other to get under the shower. Like it was just like Merv, and it's just like that first dude, and then you always need that yeah. one other dude to like sort of hook in, and then maybe three, four, five after that. But but yeah, remember on our YouTube or Facebook, there's there was that clip and it was circulating like years and years ago and it was like a dude just like dancing by himself at a yep, festival. Yep. Yep. And then all of a sudden like one, someone one joins, Dude comes yep, in. Yeah. You know, yep. And like when I first saw that, I'm like, fuck that just reminded me of that shell <laughs> scene. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he but, had um, a
0: rig too. Bloody man. Oh
1: mate, he was a fit motherfucker. Like <laughs> when, um, the first day of selection, I remember this. So the first day of selection, um, the same thing right? So kick kid check, everyone get butt naked. And, um, like I was like 89 kilo at the time, like, oh, I didn't have a rig. I was just like, yeah, you know, fit. Um, and I'm looking around at all these like big units and I'm like, holy shit. Like have I under prepared here? Cause there were like some big dudes, like, you know, jack physiques and I'm like, oh, fucking out. But yeah, at the end of the day, mate, it's all, it's all about mental capacity on selection courses. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. You just need to be fit enough, but you just need to be like mentally strong is, is, is the critical component.
0: Yeah right. Now, mate, as I yep. said, we move on to your reinforcement cycle, mate. How did you find this? Obviously, you had that you know infantry training behind you now, and you're yep. moving into special forces uh, training.
1: Yeah, so uh, like all the courses we did was just like yeah, nothing I've ever touched or experienced. So it, it was all new to me. So I was just constantly like I was just like treading water the whole time, like like a duck, right? So. Not, I try to keep it nice and calm under, uh, up the top, but down the bottom, like, I was I was peaking.
0: Like an information and, overload
1: type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the one thing I didn't want to do is, um, get booted. Like, I just didn't, I didn't want to, like, at this time, it was like 2008. So I've gone essentially through three years of, of, of ass pain to try to get, to try to get to a standard and get to this point in time. So I just didn't want to waste that, those three years. Um, so yeah, I think, the first course we did was like a roping course. Um, yeah, roping wasn't too bad because um, I did a lot of like uh, knots and that like fishing and on, on boats and that. So roping wasn't too bad. Um, then we did like a, you know, mess around with like heavy weapons um, and then like parachuting, right? So I am petrified of heights. <laughs> well, I'm not too bad now, but like I was, I am not a hide guy. Um, and just doing like that para course, like just opened up like a lot of like new experiences that I never thought I'd ever ever do and then it's like then it's the fear because we had a fella like proper snap his leg and uh, yeah you know i felt really sorry for him um he ended end up getting like uh, taken off the reinforcement cycle and deemed not fit and, like f- for special forces or war, army in general i think he got he got medically discharged out of defense and i felt really sorry for him because he was like one of the better guys o- on the rio but like the biggest fear apart from jumping out of the plane and the shoot opening was then the landing. Yeah. Lock them um, in. Yeah, Just lock, lock in. them in and yeah, not to snap <laughs> a leg. And, um, so every like every jump was like a fight for survival and not to break <laughs> yeah. a leg. So, um, but you know, that paracourse, yeah, you know, as much as it sucked, like did have a lot of fun with like the boys on the rear. Um, and sort of like that little cohort, like, you know, a lot, a lot of them I still keep in contact with and they're, they're like really good dudes and, you know, a few of them are, are, are dead now. Um, but yeah, like we will we super type, you know, in anyone, like whether it's Sydney or Perth, that when they go through a reinforcement cycle, like everyone's sucking a dick together. So like no matter what, like you're all in the same boat. So you're all hurting together and you just work, work as a team to get yourselves through it all and just help each other out. And you sort of really form a really good bond. Um, pushing forward to that. So, yeah. So, yeah, like para and then obviously you do you like you spec courses, um, you know, all this is like common knowledge. You do um, either you go down like a, the medical path, the Dems path or the Comms path. Um, and I, I always wanted to go down the medical path because I, I, I was just thinking like out of all these skills, what can help me like when I'm out in the fucking street and something happens, right? So I just want to know how to save someone, more so my family, if, if it ever if it happened. So went down that CFA part and, and um, done, done that. And, and in a sense, it was a CFA. So I was a CFA for, for a couple of trips, uh, w- which was really good. And, um, you yeah, know, like experiencing some of the stuff I experienced as a CFA, like you, you couldn't get anywhere else apart from if you were like a combat medical or, or a paramedic, you know, on CB Street. Um, yeah, so I did that. And then there's like Amphib. The Amphib phase, like um, – a lot of people don't like the amphib phase, um, um, on, on, on a reinforcement cycle, but I actually really enjoy it. Um, we're cold and wet all the time, but yeah, boats and all that stuff. I actually didn't mind it. So, um, but, but same again, like everyone is just in that boat, just copping it. And it always gave me a bit of warmth looking around, knowing that there's someone hurting more than me. Yeah. And that made me, that made me feel better. <laughs> Yeah, Mate, so that, yeah, that, that's that's where I really learned. Like um, later on down the track, like people are hurting, but I'd always look around, look for that like person hurting more than me, <laughs> uh-huh. and then, then I just sell better. That, yeah, yeah.
0: Mate, yeah. In, in regards to the reinforcement cycle, now I've obviously had a lot of uh, two commando and uh, cats on, and yep. majority guys, you know, found it quite. I wouldn't say easy, but uh, when it comes to the CQB, this is where everyone struggle with the, the shooting component because it's yes, you know. 100% accuracy or fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got fucked
1: off. Did you? So, um, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So I I failed my first ACQB course. Um, and I was, I was devastated. I was, I'm like, fuck, this is it. I'm, I'm done. Like, they're not going to want me. Um, yeah. I, I had this clearance diver following me around, just be a fuckwit. Um, and then, yeah, he was just pinging me, just watching me. And I was really dirty because, like, Nothing against clearance divers, but like have an operator follow me around. Have a, like a commando, not a fucking clearance diver follow me around. You know, it, it, it made me really angry that they allowed that to have like a clearance diver. Really. And like I was getting smashed and, you know, started just watching me like a hawk, watching me to fuck up. This, this fellow was. And he was catching me because I was under like, the pump. Like it, it was like back then, like the CQB courses run now were totally different to the ones run back then and I'm not to say like the ones like we've done the last hard course because we didn't, but when when we were going through in 2008, like they were breeding us for combat, like they bred us for combat, where now it's more about human performance Uh because there, there's nothing really going on now. So they can sit back, take the time and, and optimize it, we, we, which is, uh, is probably a better way to do it. But like at that point in time where we were, like the companies were just rotating in and out of Afghanistan and, and we knew like we were going in, we knew we were going to Bravo company if we got through. Um, and we knew that we'll go and like start it next year. So a lot of the guys that were on these courses, on this supervisor courses, especially the, the ACQB and, and the urban operations course, like they're all Bravo company, like TLs or dudes doing their supers courses, essentially picking, picking from the litter, you know? Um, so it just it really fucking pissed me off that this clearance diver like was was smashing me. Like I would rather it be one of the one
0: of the commandos, an army guy,
1: an army guy. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But and don't get me wrong. Like those clearance divers, like they're fucking good operators. Yeah. Like the the, the water is on tag, mate. Like I couldn't do the shit that they did. Like mm. they, they they were smashing it. Mm. Um And you know I've got I've got a couple good like mates that are yeah, clearance divers. Yeah. Nothing against them, but. Yeah, this fucking cunt, mate. And it just, and it, it made me angry. And I'm just like, if you fuck this for me, like, something's going to happen, right? so, but anyway, like, long story short, yeah, got, got booted on, on safety. You always get booted on safety. Um, got booted on safety and, and it wasn't even live safety. It was like DP safety. Like, and yeah, so, um, and that was probably like week two, I got week two, got booted and essentially, I went back to SFTC and they said, look, we've got nothing for you. Um, go on Lee's. Um, and if we call you you're back, we call you back. If not, then you'll get a posting order to Ferrara. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, right. So I drove back up to Townsville. Um, you yeah, know, just reflected a bit up, up north. And then, uh, about a week later, I get a phone call and say, look, um, come back down to Sydney. Uh, you're on the, the commander urban operations course starting in like two weeks or well, starting next week. So I'm like, yep, yeah, sweet, all right. So this is this is my time to like redeem myself. And yeah, and hooked into the CEO course. And um yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like it, that was hard. That was a really hard course. Because essentially like CUI was like fighting in and around and to the building. And like ACQB is like fighting in the building. So um it was a bit more I enjoyed it more because it was a bit more open. Um, you know, it was more green roll, which which I enjoyed, where like ACQB is more black roll that like CT counterterrorism role and I stole the training. So yeah, so yeah, I did, did the CBO course, uh, passed that, and then I done like a bridging course. Um, so at the time at 4AR, um, the only uh, company uh, that did the ACQB course, people did like a ACQB, so close quarter battle course, but only the guys that were on uh, the tag, so it was Charlie Company at the time. Only the Charlie company fellows, or if you're going onto the tag, did the advanced close quarter battle course. And at the time, um, two, uh, four hours, um, at a transition where all the companies were going to rotate into the tag. So what had to happen is all the operators that have done like, you know, one, two, three, four rotations Afghanistan, those guys have never done a CQ like a on the paper ACQB course. So, um, and I thought it was. And I actually thought it was better for me anyway. Like I was going into this new ACQB course with all these like dudes, um, that have like proper combat experience, not just the Rios. We're just sort of like, you know, clearance divers looking to go into wood, wood up soon on the tag. So it, I actually learned a lot more from the guys that were in my team than I did on my first course getting fucking flogged by the instructors. So I, I thought that was a blessing in disguise. And I, I and then. What, with me, like I'm, I'm a dumb cunt, right? So uh, there's no mistakes. Like oh, I, I'm not the smartest dude, but once something clicks for me, like it clicks and I yeah, fully understand yeah, it and, yeah. I, and I fully understand the why. But until that point in time, I'm a bit slow. Mm. Um, and I, and I just found on the second ACB course with, with the experienced dudes that were in my team, they just explained stuff to me that actually made it click. Yep. Yep. And then, and then I'm just like, holy shit. Like this is easy. Like I've got this where. That wasn't properly articulated in the first course. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Gotcha, mate. Now you eventually finish the reinforcement cycle and pass, and everything's yeah. complete. Yep. And now you are handed your beret and qualified, commando operator. How's that feeling, mate? Finally.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a relief. Like it really was. Like, um, oh, look, I, I, I knew, I knew it was only the start because, like, at the end of the day. You're nothing special, um, at those units when you get your barrow. You're like, you're, you're like, a, like at the buy-in. You, you, you then need to prove yourself. Um, so I was just hoping once I got in the teams that the opportunities presented themselves for me to like promote myself as like a valued team member and, and, and like a member that like dudes would want to be around in their team or have in their team. So, um, yeah. I got my beret. I got my beret. Turned my old phone back on. Oh, I got my beret, right? Because oh, I'm posted now. So I'll, I'm, I'm in. There we go. <laughs> so I'm in. And I'm nice and safe. I'm, yeah. It's through the keeper. Um, got a heap of missed calls, a heap of messages, sorry, a heap of voicemails. Um, and there was a fair few from through our uh, guard room and it started, um, the duty corporal. Then it started like the, uh, duty sergeant. Then it started like, Charlie Company CSM and then went to RSM. And then I told my TL at the time, um, I said, look, this is, this is what's happened. And he just smiled at me, he goes, you need to go fucking sort this out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go sort this out. So, but, but what it was is they had all my docs, all my docs got posted there on oh, 26. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah. So, um, Walked into the guard room and I'm so look, oh, it's uh private good in here. I'm here to see the RSM. And he goes, yep, no dramas. And he goes, yep, come into my office. And he goes, mate, where the fuck have you been?
0: This is 2000, 2008, is it?
1: 2008, yeah. It's just Grant I'm pretty sure it was, a, pretty sure it was RSM or it might have been some, some uh, one of the CSMs. I'm yeah, not sure who it was.
0: Grant McFarlane, I think, it was the RSM. Yeah, I've
1: got no idea yeah. um, who it was. But, um, yeah, I was just sort of like – yeah, I was confident, but I was like shitting myself at the same time. Um And I, yeah, I walked in. And he goes, "Mate, where have you been?" And I'm like, well, I've been on a uh, four-hour um, commando, other uh, selection and reinforcement cycle. And he just laughs at me. He goes, "No, you haven't." And I go, "Oh, I, I, honestly, okay, I have. Like, I'm—I've literally posted now in a four-hour." And he threw me my docs. He goes, "No, nah, mate." Um... Report to fucking so and so, and I just grabbed my docs and I just walked out. Okay, mate, there's no fucking way I'm reporting anywhere. Like, so you grabbed all my docs and yeah, walked out and didn't hear anything from it from that from that point. So, um, yeah, yeah, like I I knew that it was the wrong thing to do at the start, but then I thought like this is this is what I'm going to do, and yeah, if I get caught, I get caught. If I
0: don't, I don't. You know. Fucking worked out for the best, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just surprised that, like, they didn't, like, dock my pay or stop my pay or something, you know, because I wasn't parading that three-hour hour. hour, Yeah. um, And I literally just had a meal card, so I wasn't, like, really
0: scanning anywhere at SFTC. Mate, there was a massive loophole in with all that, though, because I know of another uh, commando, uh, Trigger. You might know him. Mm. He was in the same predicament. He was uh, MIA for a couple of months between uh, three and... Four hour? yeah, right, yeah, no. Nah, Trigger's a really good mate of mine, mate. Nah, um, we did selection and Rio together, so yeah, mate. No, nah, he was missing for a good three months, I reckon. Yeah, wasn't that
1: a great? Might think a Now,
0: mates, obviously, again, you finish, uh, right. you're posted into Bravo Company Two, come on, or four hours still four hour, at that yeah. stage, yeah. I think 2009 yep. it changes from technically, it does, it changes, mate. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a name change, really. And uh, mate, not long after, obviously. SOTG. So this Afghanistan's in full fucking swing. Um, yes. S-O-T-G's yes right. are cracking on and the boys are yep. getting to the thick of it. There's been a couple of, uh, you know, KIAs and a few wounded in actions. So yeah, uh,
1: the, so, so, yeah. so what I wasn't really privy to, and I'll take you back during our, um, AIT course. So, um, so 23rd of November, 2007, um, Luke Worsley was killed yep. in, a, in a compound clonish, right? And, and that, that, that company and team were Bravo company. And I remember when it happened, uh, we were probably not so much when it happened, but when Australia announced it, we were literally finishing up in the car park, um, at a PC session and the PC at the PTI at the time said, like, come over here. Um, come have a listen to this. So, we walked to this car. He had the, like, the ABC Blair, and, and um, they were essentially announcing the Australian soldiers have been killed in Afghanistan. Um, but what I was sort of like, you know, didn't realize is the, the team that I walked into in Bravo company in mortars, a lot of those dudes were actually there when it happened. So, um, yeah, I, I was very blessed to, to go into that team, um, in Bravo company into, into mortars, um, purely because like, you know, they were a, gr- a great bunch of dudes and they were a solid team, but like, you know, I was this like new, new kid coming into like this, you know, hardened warfighter guys that they could potentially mentor me. And, um, like we had a lot of fun, like in that, in that more like, team, like it was really fun. Um, you know, and, but they were very, very professional dudes, but they had that experience. Um, and they knew what they were walking themselves into. Um, so, like, they knew what they were going into and they could sort of, like, help me, like, figure that out, um, during our first rotation there, um, in 2009. So, yeah, like, I still keep in contact with a lot of them. Like, one of the dudes, um, Warren Loudon, uh, him and, um, him and his buddy, uh, Dave and Dave was in my team as well. Like, they got a, um, financial advising company down, down in Sydney that, um, handles, like, a lot, a lot of the boys, yep. uh, super. Yep. And that, yeah, really good dudes, mate. And, um, yeah, like, they, they were, they were in the team and like, oh, well, you know, we clicked like straight away and I still keep in contact with those dudes, um, as well. So, yeah, I was, I was just really blessed to, to like flop into that team. Um, because like, you know, like I said before, um, like the, the senior TLs and that were picking their dudes on the Rio to fill the assault teams. Sort of like the mortars, the mortars were always getting filled up last. So because I failed that first day course, I sort of just came in, um, on the gun, uh, in the mortar team. Which I didn't mind. Like I didn't give a fuck. Right? I was on. I was on the fifty cal on the back um, in, in the LRPV, like in Afghanistan. So um, I had a lot of fun on that. Um, and it, it, it was a great position to be in. Like I, I was not mortar qualified, but I was in the mortar teams like, on the gun. So um, yeah, and that was, that was a really good trip to be in mortars um, at that you know, point in time.
0: Yeah, right, mate. Now let's let's touch on this uh, first deployment, obviously to Afghanistan again. It's in full fucking swing. Blokes are fucking getting. Uh, Getting killed and uh, wounded. So mate, you get over there for your first time, first appointment. How's the, you know, how you, how you feeling?
1: Yeah. So obviously a bit naive. Um, didn't really know what to expect. Um, like a, you know, an overflow of emotions and, and century. And, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. So we flew in pitch black. So I was super disorientated, jumped in the back of the mugs to go into Ken Russell, but everything was like blacked out, a few little red lights. So. I really didn't, I really didn't grasp where I was at or what it looked like or what to expect until I woke up in the morning, like coming inside the lines and, and like saw like the mountains and the smell of shit and all that stuff going on in the area. So, um, yeah, I think like the first couple of weeks was essentially our, um, uh, was it like climatization weeks yep. and it's just all about getting weapons zeroed, you know, getting the cars, decking the cars out. Um, and and all that stuff and then yeah the first first gig we we went to the briefing room and basically the oc at the time um explained the plan and we're about to drive into home province and fight for a couple of weeks and then drive out and then, well, i didn't fully understand the gravity of it because i didn't know about really about Helmand province didn't know what it was about but yeah, i walk around all the senior dudes and they're just like looking at other, like, going, holy fuck this is our first gig um which was cool, which was a cool gig. Like it was super kinetic. Um, and it was a great time to be in mortars you know, in, in that gig down there. So, um, yeah, had, had a lot, of, had a lot, a lot of fun, but yeah, we, we lost Brett Till on the way. So 19th of March, we lost him, um, during this, like, um, I think it was called the Chambrack pass. It was essentially a pass that it took us about three days to get through. He was just fully ID'd and it was sort of like the only way to get into where we are going. And, um, yeah, unfortunately he lost, he lost his life there. And it was sort of like that, that moment is like, uh, this is real. Like this is like people die. And, um, yeah, we're playing for keeps now. So, um, really got to ha- have my wits about me and, and try not to let the team down.
0: Yeah. Right now, when you talk about it being super kinetic, run us through, uh, you know, maybe your first time, you know, incoming yeah. fire.
1: Yeah. So the first time I got shot at. Um, so me and my buddy Dave, um, we got, we were in the video and essentially there's a dude with a machine gun just essentially spraying the video, but he was targeting like my car and we were stuck behind the car for, yeah, uh, only for about a couple of minutes. Um, just uh, waiting for him to run out of ammo or the dudes to get up on the guns and, and put some rounds their range but for mortars, we used to always just sit off, off the assault. So, the, the teams would obviously drive in that set up their like SBF positions or their fire support positions, go in, like clear some compounds. But as mortars, we'd always sit back in the low ground, get the bombs out and just wait, wait for the, um, fire missions. And I remember, uh, when, when it was first happening, uh, our position was just getting smashed by 107. So like a recourse rifle, essentially, um, a tube with a, a, um, a missile in it. They just sit up on the rocks and, and let, them, let them rip. Mm. And these things were like, they were coming in like really, really fast and they'll, were, they'll were get in like, They'll ripping through our position. And, um, we, we had to get out of there because it was only a matter of time before he wanted our cars. So that was sort of like the, the welcome, welcome to Kajaki. We are down in the Kajaki fan fighting Adolf. Um, and it was like, yeah, like welcome to Hellman and like, it was just, yeah, heaps of indirect, um, heaps of rockets. Um, and the good thing about that, though, is like we just had heaps of air as well. Um, you know, we had bulk, like, specter gunships come in. We had heaps of, like, fast air, heaps of Apaches. Um, a couple A-10s just checked in randomly one day, just to Winchester. They just wanted to get rid of ammo, and the, the platoons were just calling them in, just taking care of business. It was quite impressive to watch. and 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 they were... Yeah, they were only like a couple hundred feet away from us. Like they were like right there. Um, but like our vehicles we had, so in the mortar platoon, uh, we had six vehicles. So we had, um, four, uh, long range patrol vehicles or they're like the six wheeled, uh, Land Rovers. Um, and they were usually like the, the tube and, and bomb cars. And then we had like two SRBs, which were usually like the command cars for the, the mortar platoon. And I'm pretty sure I had, I was looking through my photos to try to count. Like the bombs, and you know, I'm sure someone's listened to this and I'm wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure on the SRVs, each SRV could hold about 60 81 millimeter mortars,
0: yeah. Right, and I'm pretty sure. What's that? I said, Yeah, right, mate, that's that's fucking fair, yeah. Dude. So
1: we, we had like uh, like tubes all out the back mm. in the cage, um, so we had four of them, so um, you know, six, six times four is um, 24 or 240, sorry. Um and then the the SRVs, I'm pretty sure they carried probably about forty or fifty. I could be wrong. And then I know like within all the company, so all of the bribery companies' cars, each car had probably like one or two mortars as well. Um just for a bit of resup. So, you know, in total we'd have about like three hundred and fifty mortars um for um the commander group. And we winchestered by like three or four times um in in a two week period. So we were like, the, the guys are just calling in bulk fire missions once they figured out, once they were getting shot at by, by positions. And the guys on the tubes were just like, and they were like, they were, they were just taking care of business, putting in fire missions and we'd get like six, seven, eight a day. Um, you know, and like we would have mortar off, like we would get mortared, like, towards the back end of the two weeks we're down there, I'm pretty sure like, we were the, like the priority for the Taliban. Like they had to find the mortars. So I remember like the SOP for them was they sent out bikes and, you know, anyone on a bike within distance was just getting hit by these fifties. Like it was, it was, you know, quite impressive to watch. And then dudes will call in mortars on bikes because they were spotters. Um, this is when we could drop mortars in the green belt. So like whole compound groups were just getting air bursted. And, like, dudes would spot, like, enemy base plates. And so we would take out enemy base plates and have mortars off. Like, it was raining a lot down there, and, like, mortars were coming into our position and just getting stuck in the mud. Yeah. Like, in, in the middle of our yeah, position. Like, yeah, yeah, it was fucking crazy. It, it, yeah, for a first gig, like, it was... Like, I'm really lucky and really blessed that, like, that was a first gig, a first hit-out for me. Straight into the like, thick of it. Yeah, straight into the of it. Like, and it was dangerous, right? So driving down there was... Was ridiculous. Like it was really dangerous. Like heaps of IDs. Um, but it was really breathtaking as well. I remember coming down as we we're coming here down into Kajaki. Um, I think it's called the Cooney Pass. And I remember like it was like Mordor coming down this like go track. Um, and we were so high, like this pass is so high and coming down into the low ground, which is like Kajaki and just looking at under nods was like, Probably one of the coolest things, like panoramically, I've ever seen. Um, but not knowing, like down there is like super dangerous. Yeah, like especially for like <laughs> a coalition force. Really yeah, deceiving. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, ball back down there in two thousand twelve. Fucking taking care of business as well. So yeah, if it is um, it's quite surreal being back down there a couple of years later.
0: Yeah, but, right, mate. So obviously yeah. that, that deployment finishes up in June, back to Sydney Hills, where the yeah. uh, post it into our company.
1: Yeah, correct, yeah. So um, after that trip, um, there's a few of us. Uh, so there was yeah myself, Merv, um, Scotty Palmer, uh, Timmy Applin, uh, and a few other guys um, went from Bravo Company, and we essentially got told, um, yep, he's going to elf Company uh, to get a bit more um, wartime experience up. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you, yeah, this this is awesome. I wanted to go anyway because I just wanted to like you know, go back again because I just wanted to go back there. Um, so yeah, so yeah, there's, I'd like to say there was probably eight of us, eight that went from Bravo, because I think Bravo were rotating on team, um, and Alpha Company needed dudes. So, um, yeah, we all, we all went to Alpha Company, a few of us, and yeah, and then I, I was essentially an Alpha Company ever since,
0: yeah. A few months, uh, you know, just back at Holdsworthy, training, et cetera. Uh, moving into SOTG twelve, however, twentieth uh, of October uh, during lead up training, um, Mason Edwards was, was uh, killed in a training accident in Colter. Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah, so um, I, I didn't know Mason very well. I, I knew him. And I'd say hello because I was like new to the company, and um, yeah, look, unfortunately, you know, he 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 lost his life in a training accident in in like the lead up training for that rotation. So sort of that. That like was the start of, you know, a pretty fucking shit rotation, to tell you the truth. Um, for Alpha company and it was a pretty shit start for Alpha company in general, you know, what was to happen over the next 12 months. So, but yeah, you know, like, um, you know, so, yeah, it is what it is. Like it, it, it happened and these things happen, especially, um, you know, like in a high risk job like ours was. Um, but yeah, so that was just like, you know, really unlucky that it happened and uh, what do you do, right? So you feel, feel sorry for the families.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, so SOTG 12, you're ramped up, ready to roll for this one. Uh, this time, number two scout and uh, combat first aider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So your move was number one. I was the was number two and um, yeah, the, the CFA. So um yeah, got to obviously, you know, practice a bit, of, a bit of the medical stuff that we got taught. And, you know, pre that though, we we're doing a lot of those, um, what are they call it, Woven serpents. I remember, um, I remember I was, I think it was, it was Coco's podcast. You we were talking to Coco. Yep. You know, that's when I first met Coco it was running us through a heap of that, um, you know, um, live tissue stuff and the woven serpents. So, um, yeah, we've done a heap of that before this rotation and like was super confident. Um, you know, to essentially help out help out the boys if they got hurt. Yeah, so um but yeah, like like, like I said before, like that rotation, rotation twelve, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty it was a very frustrating um rotation. Um we were sort of getting handbraked uh from the top down like in country, uh doing a lot of things. So uh it was frustrating for us. Um Look, by the end of the day you, you play with the hand you got right and the, the cards you dealt, so we sort of made it work. But yeah, we're doing a lot of vehicle ops um while other people had helicopters and we just kept hitting fucking OEDs and not really achieving much. Mm. Like we, we didn't think we were achieving much just driving around. We were driving so I think I remember we essentially got told that during this rotation, um, you know, Shawali caught and all that stuff that's that's what's going to happen right so you, we're essentially going to shape this area there's like a yeah I could be wrong here but from my understanding there was like a, a fair like pipeline of fighters coming like um, you yeah, know from the south up up into the north and for those that don't know where Shiwali Cod is so you've got Kandahar province it's like the northern sector it's like the north northeast I'm pretty sure of, uh, of Kandahar uh, province so um, yeah, Kandahar was pretty loose. Um, there was a lot of like, um, rat, uh, rat tracks and, and all that stuff all through there. And, and Shwiley was like a, a fair, like, player in that. Um, and, and we knew that there was like a massive threat group there because every time we tried to get in there, we just couldn't get in there. Uh, talking to the ODAs that we we're working with, um, they just couldn't get into like, uh, the Shenandoah Valley, uh, where we wanted to go. We just couldn't get there. It's fully ID'd, um, you know, the positions were just, the terrain just wasn't worth putting the cars through there with the terrain and, and like the assessed positions defending that terrain. Yeah, it was just a really shit spot to drive into. So, um, but yeah, look, we essentially drove around like idiots for a large part of that rotation. Um, you know, I suppose, yeah, you could call it shaping, but, you know, we, we, we felt like,
0: um, we weren't really achieving much, to tell you the truth. But just back to the Shah Wali offensive, mate. Now this yeah, was, yeah. Uh, you know, a five-day pretty much engagement uh, with a yeah. large uh, Taliban force, uh, which resulted yeah. in fucking a lot of Taliban casualties, which is a fucking great thing to hear. But this yeah. was in an offensive that was involving uh, both two and the SASR.
1: Yes, yeah, right. So yeah, that offensive. Um, yeah, went for five days. It was probably the hardest five days of my life. It was fucking, it was pretty intense. So we, we knew like we we're getting heloed in, um, with Chinooks into Shenandoah. So we knew straight away like something was, like something's about to go down. Um, so we were, we were essentially ready for it. Uh, we had a pack. Uh, I think we took about three days to and we, we made a lot of kicker pellets. So it was lucky we made the kicker pellets, um, because we needed them like towards the, towards the day. The first day we essentially needed the kicker pellets. Um, but we ended up getting them the following night. But, um, essentially, yeah, we, we heloed in. Um, so there was Oscar platoon, November platoon, uh, and then, and there snipers. So, uh, two commando or Alpha company, uh, went into, uh, Shinado, the village of Shinado. Look, I don't know what the other platoon did, but I know for us anyway, we, we inserted, uh, in the, the CH 47s or the Chinooks. And then we started our clearance. I think it was like could have been like east to west or, or or north to south. Like so we started the clearance and we're hitting all these compounds. And we knew people were there, but like no idiot hangs around, like no like fighters hang around when helicopters start like hawking into the bellies and, and, and dropping dudes off. They sort of scatter and regroup and then, and then that's sort of when they come back and hit you. Um so we were we were clearing, like we we're finding um we we're finding caches, we we're finding signs of of people um we will find the signs of people that were there that weren't meant to be there if that makes sense. Yeah. So yep. there was there was a lot of like out of area uh people in that area. Foreign fighters. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. So foreign fighters. Both like foreign out of the province but also foreign out, out of Afghanistan as yeah. well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so it was relatively quiet and then um it sort of kicked off in the morning. Um, so Gary, one of the sniper TLs essentially hit this dude with a 338. I think from about 10 meters away, just yeah, fucking took care of business. And, and that's sort of when it started. And where cybers were, um, so they were essentially in the high ground that dominated that village. So there's this one bit of high ground that dominated the village and, and cybers took that. Um, and they, I'm pretty sure they, they killed a few dudes up there, uh, essentially that sort of element up there. Um once we pushed sort of parallel to that uh one of the teams uh from Oscar platoon went up to support snipers and they went up there on that feature uh so my team went to uh sort of our most our limit of exploitation uh which from what I remember it was like a group of compounds and uh we we called that like a name right um and we we sort of took up positions in those compounds. Yeah, I don't know what we're waiting for. Like we must have been waiting for something, probably orders to come down to start clearing, excuse me, clearing around. Um, but where I was, so I was essentially, um, early warning, um, on like say, like the most northern aspect out in like a bit of a, bit of a orchard. I was there like by myself and we had, um, I think it was either three or five of our uh, partner force there with us, with me. And, and their handle was back with the majority of, uh, Oscar platoon in the compound cluster. So it was essentially just me by myself. Um, and I had like three or five, uh, PRC or PPR, whatever they were called back then. Um, yeah. And, and all I remember is, um, I remember like a father and son were like digging in the field, probably about 20 meters away from me. And they kept like telling me to shoot. I didn't think anything of it. I was just giving them a the thumbs up. And tell you the truth, I fell asleep. I was, cause I was fucked from the night before. Right. So I'm like taking hits like against this wall. And then I sort of woke up and they were gone. The father and son were gone. And then I sort of like was like taking hits again. And then I woke up. Um, it it kicked off about, I think about 10 o'clock, like our whole position just got smashed. Um, and they were like maneuvering around all day to like, um, hit us in these positions. And I remember like waking up and I was leaning up against like a mud wall and the dust like was in my eyes because I had my like glasses on, but the dust was going all in my eyes. And then that sort of woke me up, but I didn't, I was a bit dazed, you know, when you come out of like a little power nap, you're a a bit disorientated. And then I felt like all this heat, like push up the back of my neck. And what actually happened was there were two dudes with two different machine guns trying to hit me on the wall. And then there was an RPG that obviously went behind me. And then I like slid into this fucking hole that I've prepared because if something was to happen, but my pack was just getting like pizzled and I'm just thinking, holy shit, like this is, it's happening right now. So then, yeah, it, it, it was on. And, and what they were trying to do, like they hit their whole position. So, uh, mortars, like mortars did really well. So mortars were like set up in a compound and, so I'll go back to that night. So we all took in, uh, like two bombs each, 281 bombs each. And mortars had like a, I'm pretty sure they had the, um, the quads with the tubes and bombs. And as we we're like going through the mortar compound, we'd all drop off the bombs for them. Just so they got more bombs, uh, for the op. Um, and I remember, um, talking to a couple of the, the boys afterwards, like they, they were in an area where like there was heaps of high ground around them. And like when it kicked off all at once, like they were getting fucking hosed. In their compound, but like they still had the nuts to get out there and drop bombs for us that needed it. So, like, I'm talking to a couple of the boys that, like, yeah, like this sort of happened. My whole, I wasn't aware of it. I thought we were just getting hit, but the whole position got hit. Um, yeah, so back to this, like, and when I assessed it, um, I knew, I knew where they were, but I couldn't see them. Um, cause it just, like, for people that haven't been shot real close before. What it sort of feels like, um, it feels like someone's cracking a whip, like right in front of your face. Um, But for me, it was like someone was cracking like four or five whips at the same time, and it was going all around my body. Um, And it was only lucky that I had like a little fighting bay uh, that I could just essentially stand on my knees and try to fight out of. But I was under a tree, and that tree was like someone had a whippersnapper in the tree just going to town on this tree. And the walls behind me were just getting cut up. And yeah, if, if they probably had a, a sight on their PKMs and their M4s, like I'd be toast. I'd be toast three or four times that day. Um, yeah, so fighting out a little hole and I had, I had 40 mils. So like my general loadout was, uh, I'd have about like an eight, eight or 10 40 mil on me. I'd have gold two tops. in me shot off cock and I'd have one up the spout. So yeah. I'd carry about 14, um, you know, grenade, um, 40 mils with me, uh, gold tops. And then I had seven magazines, so I had like uh, three three on me, and then I had like a steely carry about 35 rounds on the gun, on, on my M4. So, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, spraying and praying because I could feel the rounds coming all around me, but I knew I had to get fired down because they're actually like maneuvering. It's like the old section attack, like have the gun go yeah, on, yeah. have yeah. a team. So that's that's what was happening. So I was getting plastered from one direction. That would stop, and then I would get be plastered from the other direction. And I knew like these, like these kinds of fire are moving on me and, uh, they're about to overwhelm me here. So I think the initial like contact is about like 150 meters. Or so, but where they were, where they ended up and where I sort of stopped them, um, I was pumping 40 mil into the trees, uh, into an orchard where they were. So the 40 mil was hitting the trees and sort of like air bursting on top of them. And I was punching 40 mil into the compound behind them. So it would sort of hit them because they were sort of behind like what I was behind, like a little, like little brick, was a little mud, um like wall, I suppose, a little yeah. retaining wall. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I don't know how long that went on for, probably about half an hour.
0: How many blokes were we talking?
1: Did you, oh, did you see? fucks me. Oh, they're probably on me. Like there was two guns on me. So with two guns, you probably got a good duty to the side. And then there was like accurate, like, you know, single, single well-aimed shots as well. And then they're, they're obviously like RPG. So there might be an RPG team somewhere, but um. Yeah. So I was like f- proper, like stuck. I was fucked. Like I had to just sort of fight, fight for- I was essentially hiding the hole and then fighting for my life. Um, and then I looked over <laughs> and the PPR or the PRC were fucking gone. So they sort of left me out hanging and then, and then, like I couldn't see him anywhere. And then it was only lucky that their handler was sort of like in the compound behind me, stuck that I had to, you know, put down a bit of fire to get him up with me. So then me and him were sort of like, you know, taking care of business, trying to hold this like offensive off. But during that time, like mortars were coming in, uh, eight, like the Apaches checked in. We had some fast air. So, um, at that time, like there was a lot of air and air in the air and it sort of died down because they were just like Winchester and, and, and dropping all, all what they had to do to support us, um, right up the front there. Um, uh, yeah. So we'd done the reorg. I'll go back. So like my loadout after that like initial engagement, I don't know how long it went for. It probably went for about an hour or so, but it was a pretty intense hour. Um like I had the one magazine, so I only had one M4 mag left, and I only had two forty mil left. Um and that's all I had. And um we still and that was like before lunchtime. So so we knew like um once we done the reorg, once it died down, we had air over over us and the air was like smashing the hills and smashing everything. Um, cause it just, there's probably a lot of people like running around like idiots, you know, like trying to find different fire positions and the air was just taking care of business. Um, we got on the mortars and cause mortars were just dropping bombs. They went firing. We essentially, uh, my team basically dumped all our, like all, all most of my wood was shut up anyway. So I emptied my pack and then we essentially ran through a part of the contact ran about a K to to the mortar compound and mortars were just giving us all their magazines and all their bombs and all and some of their water to take back and res up uh, Oscar platoon, um on that fringe there when yeah, we were fighting so yeah so that, that's sort of like the initial that's like before lunch that sort of happened before lunch and then we sort of regrouped and started clearing uh where we thought they might have been coming from um but the thing was like where where the compounds were. And we only had five-man teams at the time. So like on the ground where my position was, so we had my five-man team and we had another five-man team and then PHQ. So really we only had like like 10 dudes. We couldn't really go out too far because if we were to come under that amount of fire again, like we'd just become a liability. So we essentially cleared like the group of compounds like around, and then there was like all open ground and and sort of like positions where they were that we just didn't want to sort of like go out there for no, for no reason and, and risk someone getting shot on the first day. Um, so, yeah, so we come back reorged. Um, yeah. And then, fuck, what happened then? And then, yeah, then it was starting to get like uh, in the afternoon and they are getting geared up for another attack. So we, while this is happening, um, the sniper position as well is just getting fucking hosed. By everything under the sun. So they're like hiding behind rocks trying to like, um, engage dudes. But that high ground is also getting engaged by the whole valley. So those dudes were like, you know, pinned for a long period of time as well. So we, uh, we were going to go up to swap out with the team up there and the, and the team was going to come back and, um, get ready for the fight tomorrow. Um, so we, we end up, uh, swapping with the team that was on the side position. We essentially that night, we just like started building fighting positions. Um, to, to go again the, the following day. Um, and then, yeah, like the next day, yeah, two squadron, um, yeah, took care of business and, and cleaned up. It was fucking good to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two squadron.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nah, yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. But, um, no, nah, look, um, where, where they, so where to was, um, on the overwatch position, yeah, we could actually see the valley. So we, we, we watched the whole thing sort of like take place from like a high ground, saw a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, I remember I was looking through the LRS. Um, and I saw like once they started going in there, like RPGs and she was just bursting, trying to hit the, trying to hit the helicopters. And it was the first time I ever saw an Apache get hit. So one of the Apache's tail rotors got, got hit and then started like limping off. And I'm pretty sure the base around it, cause we staged out of there a fair few times. It was called Tiger two. And, um, one of the yeah, Apaches had to like limp off. Um, during that, like, initial insertion phase because, you yeah, know, those guys were just coming to, like, immense fire. Yeah. Fuck. And this is all in the first fucking two days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first two days. So, <sighs> um, yeah, we, and then... But, yeah, well, like, once... um Once uh, Perth sort of, like, walked through that um that village, pretty much took, took out, the, like, the rest of the guys. So there was nothing there. And, like, all day and into the night, the, the air was... The air was cleaning up as well. Um, yeah, cause, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, people don't let, people don't let people kill, kill them, if that makes sense. Like people are hard to kill. Um, and what I, what, what we did really well was like use the air, um, as standoff. So, cause you always want to like, you know put you in the less risk and just use the air because it's the platform that can do it. So I know the J tax, um, you know the J Just use those things, and just just Winchester them like all the time, and like that, and they and they were happy. Like they knew once you know Fe Bravo or TS sixty six was in the area, like they knew they would get used, which was which was always promising They have those guys check in and, and know like that we were down there and that we would use them. But yeah, so that was like the first two days, and then uh, yeah, the second two days is essentially just clearing the rest of the valley. Um, and November platoon was in the clearing force then and Oscar platoon was just in Overwatch. So we, we hunted up this like massive yama to put an Overwatch, uh, for November platoon. And that night there was probably the hardest night of my life trying to get into this one position. Um, just like, it was essentially like us climbing up waterfalls. And because we had like the, the EW guys with us, the bears, you know, helping them with their equipment, Yeah. it was just fucking hard, Yakimas, but, um, but, yeah, after that, then it was it was done. But there was nothing there. It was crickets.
0: Yeah, right. Fucking yeah. hell, mate. There you go.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's probably, like, the only good, good thing about that whole whole rotation was sort of that little battle um, that lasted, you know, a couple of days. So.
0: <laughs> that little battle that lasted a couple of days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. Now, mate, I guess this is where the story, you know, of uh, SOTG 12 uh, takes a dramatic fucking turn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the 21st of June, helo crash.
1: Yeah. So like post that, post that offensive, uh, we we were still doing work in and around like Shuala Kot and in the villages. So at this time, um, like we were just operating out of helos. So we just had a heap of helos. Um, So every day we'd be in doing a job uh, like, you know, um, you know, hitting a target and then ripping out that same day. Um, And yeah. So yeah. You know, it was actually like November's last gig uh, that morning. Yeah. Um, they had a, had a fallen angel, um, you know, fallen angel for those that don't know, is essentially a down helo. And sort of once fallen angel gets called, like every bit of air in the vicinity just gets put over it uh, to support it. So uh, we were the, whenever the, one of the platoons is out, the other platoons always um, on standby as a ready reaction force. Uh, if something was to happen, right. So, I don't know what time of night it was. I got woken up early in the morning. Um, yeah, so, uh, there's been a fallen angel giggy shit. We we're going down the flight line and we'll be-, be able to head down to, uh, to assist. So yeah, we, I think we were, we got in. I think the helos picked us up at night time, but by the time we got there, the sun was cracked over the, over the valleys and where, where, where the helo went down was like in the middle of the dash. So, um, you yeah, from my understanding and what people have told me is, the, the pilot essentially lost height awareness and the, the helo just fucking sputtered in at 250k an hour. Um, and, the, and, the, and this was just pure carnage. And yeah, you know, the first thing I fucking saw when we came over this one belly and we saw it, it was about 400 meters of fucking carnage. At the start of it was like, um, a bit of, bit of debris. But then if you get like a knife and just like throw it in the sand there was like one of the, one of the rotor blades. And then it was just like carnage for about three or 400 meters. And then it was like a, just like a burning shell where the fuselage was starting to melt down. And I remember the first thing when I landed, um, yeah, we saw the dudes and the dudes are proper fuck. Right. So a lot of the guys trying to help save the boys, um, were covered in blood. They're just like covered like in blood and like, it was all starting to crystallize and look like, like crystals and jelly. Mm. And, when I got to the ground, we re- we relieved them because they were cooked. Um, never ever seen they were cooked. Um, and you know we we were there essentially to to find the MEIs and just account for for everything and everyone. Um, and I remember when we like my team essentially went through the wreckage to, to look for stuff, and all I could see on the ground were like fucking dozens and dozens of like auto injectors from the boys, just like you know you know auto injecting the boys that was that was still alive and trying to save them. So, yeah, we we're down there for the majority of the day, um, you know, finding a few MEIs, a few suppressors and, and radios and all that stuff. But, yeah, um, you know, uh, you know, Tim and Scott died, uh, you know, pretty much instantly. Yeah, a lot of the dudes were injured and, you know, Ben Chuck um, ended up passing away, I'm pretty sure, in the hospital, on the, you know, at uh, Kandahar, wherever they went. So, lots of blood and all that stuff, yes. And, um, yeah, that, that was that, I suppose. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a really really sad day, and you know the gravity of it didn't really hit me until we got back. And um myself and my two I see at the time, Andrew, were like going through all their equipment and and accounting for everything, and just seeing like the blood and like uh the skull, the brains, all that shit on their equipment, on the boys' equipment, and knowing like you know they'd be fucking good mates, like Timmy Upson, like I knew his family, like his kids, his parents, right. Um, Scotty Palmer, you know, me and Scotty, like hang out, like, you know, done a heap of time in all and down the shore <laughs> together. Yeah. You know, so like, we're yeah, pretty yeah. tight like that. And yeah. like man, we're, we're really good mates. Um, and yeah. And Ben, like Ben was just a fucking top dude. Um, did a few courses with Ben, a lot of medical training with Ben because Ben was, uh, the sniper CFO and just a real professional guy, you know, and, and just a young guy too. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it wasn't good. And it was pretty like devastating. Um, especially for Elf company, cause like in that helo lost the whole team and then we lost the whole sniper scene as well. So we essentially lost, you know, 20% of like a capability in one bird. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then it was just like, once we got back, you know, the, the, the hardest part of it all and the hardest part of everything is it's like the ramp ceremonies and just like, you know, Bringing the dudes back is is fine, like you know, because at the end of the day, like they're dead, right? They, they they can't feel anything. But then, like like seeing the families is is the hardest part, yeah. And then like knowing that like you were there, and then just like watching like the the sheer like grief and sadness, especially on like the mums, you know, is it, it,
0: really yeah. hard. So, yep. Yeah, mate. Fuck. So the, you know, this is the end of the end of the rotation. You guys uh, bring them home.
1: Yeah, so and like like the funerals were hectic as well because, you know, we had three funerals in 10 days, so that was like a ball of emotions and, you know, fucking that's when, you know, not the PTSD but like the, the dealing with that shit starts like kicking in. Um, you know, massive like alcohol consumption, just being, you know, fucking real reckless, like on the piss or life in general. All that shit. Um, that's sort of how it affected me. I mean, everyone's different. You know, all that stuff affects people differently. But for me, it was just like party, party, party. Just like trying to like not think about it. Forget about it, yeah. And, and just try yep. to get that other fix. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. So, um, but yeah, look, so that that 10 days. So we had um, we had Ben Chucks first up in Atherton. Then we flew down to Brizzy, had Timmy Uplands in Brizzy. And then we flew up to Darwin, had Scotty Palmer's up in Darwin. So... Um, yeah, that was a big ten days for the company.
0: How does this affect your, I guess, your mind state on getting back to Afghanistan? Yeah, look, it
1: didn't affect it like I want to go back there and start like, just like stacking bodies. Like it didn't affect me like that. But I, uh, it's just it's a weird feeling. Like when something like that happens, you you figure out that. You're not bulletproof, but you still want to get over there because your, your buddies are going over there. So you just don't want to let people down. Yeah. So, like, that, that was the biggest thing for me. Like, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing for me and the most frustrating thing and FOMO for me was uh, knowing that my mates are in contact and, I, and I'm not there. Like, yeah, like especially like in 2012 is different. 2012 was like super kinetic, but like oh, I remember, like in 2012, we'll talk about it a bit later on. But um being in Camp Russell and and knowing November platoons and tick, and like, and super platoon being there, you're just like fuck, like we want to be, we, we we want to be there as well. Yeah. So,
0: but that's just me personally. That's how I felt. Yeah, there's a lot of guys exactly like that, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So. Different human beings, mate. That's that's what she's. Uh, now, obviously, get back, mate. Participate in all the the funerals. Tag East laid up. This is where you your first yeah. uh, rotation on.
1: Yeah, oh, the tag, the 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 dreaded tag, the thing <laughs> the I never, the, the thing the thing I never wanted to do after that first sort of safety could be course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So um, while we're on leave, um, I'll just rewind a bit. So while we're on leave after the funerals. Um, a buddy of mine rings me up, and he was um he was injured in an IED blast on that on that rotation as well. And he's a good mate of mine, uh, Matt. Um, He rings me up and he's like, "Look, we're essentially down a whole sniper team. We're looking for dudes to do the sniper course. Like, do you want to do it?" And uh, you know, what? like snipers for me, like it just never in really interested me. Like it's is, it is something that I never really went there and go, "Fuck yeah, I want to be a sniper one day." Um, but when he like had a chat to me and explained it, I'm like, yep, fucking A, like, I will do this, like, for the, for the company and for the regiment. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll fill, I'll fill a hole, um, and do the cyber course. And like the cyber course, um, you know, in the SF realm, it's not about getting fucking flogged like they do in the conventional. Yeah. It's, it's like a selection course, right? They, they do like a pre-course and then like a mod one, mod two, whatever, they, whatever it's called. I'm not sure, but, um, in the in like the the special forces type like of course, like you don't really have to prove yourself anymore. It's more about like skills, uh, learning the trade, and and proving that like you, you can assimilate uh, information. So it was never a, like a smash course, but yeah, yeah. But but for it, it it does have like one of the highest attrition rates out of any course that we do, though, because. Uh the max people they take is ten because essentially that's how many lanes we've got um at one of the ranges that we use. So uh ten dudes, but like out of that ten dudes, you might get like two or three or four that fail it. You know, and that's like a forty percent like, you know, failure rate, which is huge, which is which is a huge like percentage when it comes to those specialized courses in those units. So the thing is with this like the SF sniper course, like dudes come in to the regiments. Um, as, um, you know, normal sniper, like conventional army snipers, but a lot of the dudes don't like to put themselves out there on another course with that risk to fail. And that's what, that's what I found, um, while I was in the sniper teams. Like when we were down dudes asking dudes to do the sniper course, dudes just didn't want that opportunity to fail. So it was really hard to get guys to do the sniper courses. Yeah. But like going back to it, yeah. So basically, Got approached to do the cyber course. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and then started doing the cyber course as the lead up um, for the tag. Yeah, in
0: 2011. Yeah, right, mate. Then obviously, yep. Tag 2011. How yeah, was yeah? Uh... So,
1: yeah, no. So, that, like, it was really fun. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, Well, it was hard work. Like, you the got to over it. Oh, yeah, mate. But uh, yeah, I was in the cyber teams, mate. So I wasn't really doing all that combat stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <They> the <laughs> teams doing. Yeah, I was a driver, so I, I did. I did the driver, mate. So. Um, yeah, so back then, uh, on the tag, so the tag essentially took responsibility for the, um, or the PSDs or the security detachments that would sort of go into the Middle East or go to those high risk areas with like the, you know, the government guys. So the members of parliament or, you know, any like government official that sort of needed like that bit of a protection, um, you know, high value, um, you know, principle. Um, yeah, so, but one of the prerequisites was like you had to do, like the um, essentially the security detachment course, and you had to be a driver. So I was only I was pretty lucky. Like being snipers at that point in time, not too many of the snipers did the drivers course, and not too many of the snipers uh, like did the the PSD course. Um, so I was pretty lucky at that point in time. I got panelled on both of those courses. So essentially, they give me the tick, um, or you know, not the credibility, but like you know the you know the tick in the box to. Go on any of those short notice like PSDs that come up, and at that point in time, at Two Commando, the, the tag had that responsibility as well as our uh, domestic like counterterrorism operations. So um, I was pretty lucky that I was the sniper on on um, a good chunk of those uh, PSDs um, th- th- through that year. So I did a bit, of, a bit of like did a little bit of time sniper uh, on tag, but then I did a lot of time um, at the sniper in the PSDs. Um, over in the UAE and all through the Middle East, yeah. So actually it too bad, so yeah, um, for me anyway.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. And, you know, part of this year as well, obviously more KIAs with uh, yep. you've got to deal with and you are part of uh, the ramp ceremonies for uh, Brett Wood and uh, Todd Langley.
1: Yeah, so um, Charlie Company was over at that point in time and, yeah, they had a, like a really kinetic, um, kinetic trip that trip. So... Yeah, uh, Brett got killed, uh, first and, um, we took, um, the tag, like the tag took the responsibility of all the ranch ceremonies. So essentially when it happened, like we were, you know, a couple of days, like smashing out the drill, everyone fucking getting their pollies ready because no one ever wears pollies at two Commando. So sort of so that period of time is like when dudes, yeah, got their pollies ready because, yeah, we, we, we knew there's a high possibility of, of conducting ranch ceremonies. Um,
0: so yeah, so we, just, um, just back to that, mate. That's a yep. it's an odd fucking mindset. You know what I mean? There's yeah, not many other jobs well, in the world where you got to get your uniform ready or have it ready for pretty much one occasion.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. That that that, that, that was us or suppose yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know what the stats are, but I know Afghanistan, like SOCOM, took fucking like seventy five percent of the casualties and. 50% of those were for, from two commandos. So, like, like we knew, like, that, you yeah, know, any fucking idiot that wants to go to that unit has to expect to do that. Not, not in a REAMS is, but expect to be in a position where you could die. Um, and if you don't, um, then you you probably shouldn't be there uh, at that point in time in life. So, um, yeah. So, um, look, we got, um, well, yeah, we we did we did, and we did we did a couple, and we also helped out with um with Rollins as well, Ron Robinson from um what's his name from from SOA. so we
0: also helped out with his fuck different mindset, mate, different mindset. Just wanted to highlight that because it is a different mindset. Now, two thousand twelve SOTG eighteen. This is your third rotation yep. to Afghanistan, yeah, and this time you roll, however, to IC.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I originally wasn't until I so I was meant to go over in the sniper teams, um, had a bit of a medical issues and I got downgraded. Um, you I got downgraded just before our MRE, our like our mission rehearsal exercise down to Coltana. So miss CSM at the time, he is like, like, good, sorry, mate. You can't go on this because you're fucking medically downgraded, non-deployable. Um, so i like, yeah, so that, that, I was, I was like probably the most devastated I've ever been because I'm about to miss out on a trip with my company. Um, and I knew like at that point in time, those trips were like, like real Canadian trips, um, just the sort of stuff we were doing. Um, but look, long story short, um, you know, took the magic pill, drank the magic water, got better, uh, got deployable again. Um, and I actually rolled in um, not as a 2IC, um, but just as another team member. Yep. But when we flew in the country, the 2IC at the time ended up going down to Kabul to train up some of the partner force. So I just flew straight into like that 2IC role. Um, while well, we got straight away in the country. So, um, yeah, because I was a senior dude, um, to the, to the team. Um, they just put me straight into that 2IC role. Um, yeah, and I, and I was like the marksman as well. So because I was sniper qualified. Yeah, I decked out um I decked out my essentially gas gun, my um through a gas gun. And essentially it was I was like the marksman of the team as well. So you know, we we had the rule, like anything over three hundred metres, you know, the M force don't touch it and then, and like oh, I'll come along and, and see what I can do about
0: it. <laughs> see what you can do about yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but look, that that was a good trip, right? So um like a lot of the dudes have already talked about it, but you know, we're working with the fast teams uh from the the DEA. Um, and you know, Australia, you know, we talk a big talk and all that shit, but we only provide meat to the grinder. Like we don't provide the machines. You know, the US provides all the hardware, you know, all the, all the insertion platforms, all the intelligence platforms, like all the enable, the proper enablers. Australia can't provide it. We just haven't got it. So the really good thing about, um, working with those guys is like the, the assets they had, um, and how refined and how accurate they were was nothing like I've ever seen before. Um, and like once I remember like, we were like walking to the bird on this one gig and the head of the, the DA team, he's like pulls out this, like, um, he just literally printed off this like graphic and he goes, look, this was five minutes ago on this fucking huge drug lag we hit. So we knew like, you know, five minute old int is better than, you know, made up stories. From the Australian intelligence guys that we had, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like no no fault of their own. Like yeah. you know, like everything like, garbage in, garbage out. You know, if they get shit intelligence, they're gonna produce shit shit intelligence. So and that's that's what Australia had. Like Australia didn't have that stuff, like the US did. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um but yeah, so yeah, no, um yeah, was, I was to I and you know, our primary role um in that team was essentially security. Um, and assisting like the fast team. So, um, we had two teams doing that. Then we had two teams essentially on cordon. Um, and yeah, so I, I, yeah, worked really like, um, really closely with those guys and they're, they're a great bunch of guys and, you yeah, know, try to keep them, try to keep, keep in contact with, with them where I can. But, um, yeah, really, really good guys. And yeah, and they, and they were good at what they did as well. Like they were like, they were, um, yeah, you know, door pickers. Um, but they also, they were there doing their own thing and, and searching for the drugs. Um yeah, but yeah, like yeah, the the other guys have told him stories
0: about it but yeah, it's just Yeah, of you course, know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just for the listeners there, you know, if you want to have a listen a little bit deeper into the the life of that, you can obviously listen to Joe Piersante. He was yeah, uh, yeah. shot shot through the bloody face and uh Dave Parker, the man Dave Parker was there. Yeah, yeah, Dave, yeah. Uh, he had he the drugs his story. Now yeah. Mate, now during this rotation, again, this is where it goes to fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, one of the worst days for the Australian Defence Force since uh, Vietnam. Within 24 hours, we lost five soldiers. Now, one of these incidents, Merv McDonald and uh, Nate Gallagher, both in another fallen angel. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, so that 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 night, like, um, yeah, it's like a normal night. Like those boys were heading in on a one of those super Hueys uh into a an overwatch position and we were essentially the clearance force coming into the village. So we were in a V twenty two and when we landed too, like we had a real hard landing and dudes got like flung out because you know the strops are off. Dudes are like falling on each other, the like the lady's gun flipped around, like it pointed at us. And said, well it's like get the fuck out of this a fucking V twenty two. So as we we're like cruising the target, because I old two IC on my last man, you know, you, you essentially wheel them the cats as a two IC. Making sure no one gets left behind. Um, I saw like moves uh, that team's, um, helo come in and where it was, it was in like a bit of a reentrant, bit of a tricky, like, um, bit of terrain where the- he was trying to land. And then all of a sudden I fucking saw, I was watching this thing come in at nighttime and it was about two, three hundred meters away where we was landing. And, um, then he started to brain out and I'm just sort of like watching, um, watching as, as the team sort of going past me. At, uh, at the bird and then I fucking see, see it skids um, the bird skids I'm like fuck this is not good and then it obviously rolls and it sort of like rolls up the hill but as that happened all the rotor just like ripped through my call sign uh, from the from the rotor and just like stuff was going like through my legs you could hear like over your head and then straight away um, the whole team just beelined up to the up to the helo that that sort of rolled over and brand out and then by the time we got up there, um, like the, the guys were like jumping out, um, of the side because it was sort of like rolled on its side with the door like facing the sky. And, uh, the, like the nose, I think was the nose was like pointed towards like the reentrant up and the boys are jumping out. And then, um, you know, their tail at the time is yelling out like this boy's stuck. This boy's stuck. So like, yeah, it's no drama. So we're, we're trying to like fucking dig, dig the dirt to try to dig these guys out. And, um, the CFAs were there. By this time, the CFAs were there. And, and where it was, it was in a fucking shit position because it was essentially in a reentrant. And then there was high ground, like right up it. And if, and there was a village on the other side. And like this was in Helmand province. So, yeah, you know, automatically you think the worst when you go into Helmand. Um, so I got the gun. So I got my gunner. Um, and I said, mate, me and you, we're going to the CT and we're sort of like providing overwatch to this because there's enough people there now at the time. I was just another swinging dick. So, we um took the guard there, posted a bit of security at the time, like I didn't know who it was under there because it was all at night time about two or three in the morning, um, and then yeah, you know, like once the sun pops up, you know' um figured out you know two of the boys are dead, um and then obviously the, the um well I think it was my c l come up, and I said mate who's who's dead, and he's just like managed to move, I'm like fuck, right, so didn't think about it because there's no point um. Yeah, it's, it's bad to say, but what's done is done. Like, there's no point in me going to, going to shit now. Cause I've got to, you know, fucking be with this gun and provide overwatch just in case something comes out of this village, you know, a couple hundred meters away. So yeah, we're up there all day and just cooking in the sun because it was meant to be like, you know, a, a smash it meant to go in that night. Um, you know, smash this lab and then fucking rip out early in the morning. It was meant to be, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a real quick job. So I'd fuck all water like an idiot, right? So I remember just cooking in the sun um with the gunner. And um, yeah, by the time um the PJs come down, they essentially ripped um they, they rigged up the the helo. They got the they got the boys out, um, they got the boys out, um, put them on a bird, ripped a, ripped this helo, flipped this helo. and then they got one of the um the CH 53s, those big stallion heavy lift helicopters. So we we use a a bit. With the, with the Marines, um, got one of these things, rigged up this, uh, busted Huey fuselage and just picked it up and, uh, and took it back somewhere. I don't know, they took it back. And then, yeah, um, yeah, we're we'll just waiting to get extracted at that point in time. And yeah, got, got back in the afternoon. And then, yeah, um, yeah, in the shower, man, just fucking just hit me, started, you know, blowing my eyes out and I'm not going to see my best ever again and all that shit. So, yeah, it was, it was a shit day, another shit day Foul for Company helicopter crashes, so yeah. And, and obviously Merv as well, you know, Merv I not not Merv, sorry, Nate, you know, Nate was a new dude, like he just got in two thousand eleven into while well, we we're on tag as part of that Rio. So that was his first trip as a commando, so you know, shit should him go on the way he did as well on his first trip.
0: Yeah, fuck. Um and then uh, what uh day before. Three Yeah. And then, then, then that that green on blue, yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: yeah, so yeah, that happened. So look
0: did I think on did
1: you get word on that? Like did, No, did, like, did that? that happen at night time or in the daytime?
0: To to be honest, mate, I'm not entirely sure. Let me just have a quick Google, mate, just to make double check.
1: Because um I think I remember um November platoons spinning up as we were as we were like leaving down to the uh flight line
0: says here, so I think it was during the day. Okay. Just looking at the Yeah, well, it probably makes sense news. because yeah, yeah, I, I vaguely
1: remember as we were gearing up um, to walk down the flight line, I'm pretty sure in November the team was spinning up to go, because I'm pretty sure Perth, um, SE Alpha, uh, went out there as well. Yep, yep. To try to, try to find them, to try, try to find that fella.
0: Yeah, yeah, mate, so uh, as uh, for a quick look on Google, yeah, mate, uh, during the day, so. yeah, yeah. Mate, uh, a bit of a fucking terrible 24 hours for the Australian Defence Force, and obviously again, yeah. mate, uh, you know, a good friend of ours. Uh, yeah, no,
1: definitely, yeah. and obviously, like, you know, that ramp ceremony was huge um, at TK. You know, yeah. five, 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 five boys, yeah, so. Um, yeah, so myself and another buddy of mine, Matt, um, so we escorted Mervyn Nate home. Um, yep, so we, you yeah, stopped at AMAB. Um, me, myself, and Matt ran a picket up at the up at the morgue there. So they were never by themselves. Uh, and then we, yeah, jumped on the plane, came back, done, um, a team's change, I'm pretty sure in Diego Garcia. So the three fellas jumped on one plane and we, we, we stayed on. Uh, that's C-17 and, uh, yeah, flew into Richmond yeah. uh, for, for the rain ceremony, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yep. uh, it's crazy. I remember getting the phone call, and uh, I've said it before on another podcast, exactly where I was, where I was driving, and the person that called me, uh, I'll say his name after. He's actually over in the Brits now. Oh yeah! Oh, probably yeah. Know, you probably know who it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I know, mate. He well, with, yeah, he's, yes. he's a top bloke, isn't he? He lived with Merv for a oh, bit. Oh yeah, so yeah mate. Yeah. Well, well like... you know what, mate? He's
1: the first person I called. Is it? When... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, there you go.
0: He called yeah, he me was, straight
1: he, away then. Yeah, mate. He was the first person I called. Um, once we got back, he, he already knew. So because um, yeah, he, he already knew. But like, yeah, as soon as, as soon as we walked in, I still had all my shit on, and I'll fucking yeah. like, give him a call straight away and, and let him know. So yeah.
0: There you go. Good yeah. Dude. Good dude. Yeah. Obviously, as you said, mate, the Ram Ceremony and then this is, is this the end of the rotation as well? No, mate. Oh, so this is
1: like, this is like six weeks in. Oh, gotcha. So yeah. Well, yeah. So out. yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously done, oh, um, you know, went over to um, um, Majura, I think. Majura is where Merv's family's from. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Went over there, spent a time with time um, with his family and obviously um, done all the stuff over there. Uh, and then we, we, we returned, mate. So we got straight back into it. Um, straight back into ops. We're back in country within, I think, 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we came back. Um, I think we came back for about six days. Yep. So we came back. Um, I didn't go to Nate's funeral because I was with Merv's family, um, over that period of time. And then, yeah, Matt, Matt flew from, I think it was country, New South Wales over to Perth. Uh, I linked up with him and yeah, we, we did Merv. And then, um and this is probably yeah. where we bump shoulders, obviously. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do remember you at, at the service yeah. And, yeah. and that. So, yeah, Um yeah. Then obviously we got we got on the um we ramped it that night at the wake, obviously, and then yeah. the following, yeah. yeah, the following morning we we're on the plane, mate, um, heading into, to Darwin and then back
0: back overseas. So straight back out. So I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize, didn't didn't know that. Yep. Cause, uh, yeah, mate. So you guys are fucking straight back overseas and. Yep. Again, mate, how's how's the, the mindset at this stage, you know, fuck second time occurring? Yeah. The the mindset
1: I was in like the operations mindset where I need to do my job. Um, you know, I need to do my job and I need to not let the team down. Um, so I didn't really have too much time to reflect on it. Um and like like those jobs were going into like like super high risk jobs. Like um yeah, we had heaps of um where we were going, they weren't good areas. Um they were always descended. Um they were always like in Hellman, like deep in Hellman. Um so like they were we always knew like there's gonna be more casualties. Like for just you know, you only can do so much stuff uh, until something happens, right? So um yeah, and then you know, we fucking done a a clearance back in Kajaki down the fan. Using um Abram tanks supporting like a marine clearance. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it was fucking it was loose, proper loose. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so we had um so I, I had two tanks attached to my team.
0: Were they turning it on those tanks?
1: Nah, well nah. Uh, so, no. So they didn't. Look, they did they did a couple of times, I think. No, no, none, none of mine. Did because yeah. <laughs> na the, the rules the rules were right with those things is they couldn't engage anything that wasn't any armor. So with uh, that with that main cannon of theirs. They yeah. Could not engage anything, so there are a lot of RPG teams around, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, um, but
0: like, so, so let's just hold on a second, mate. Yep, we were following the rules, unlike the Taliban. Is is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, we fought we that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just making sure those journalists are listening 100%. We're following <laughs> the
1: rules, yeah. Well, yeah, and you know what, to the Marines' credit, mate, they're they're they are pretty strict with their rules of engagement, yeah, of course, yep, and then, um, obviously, you know. Well, um, um, you know, the media is another story, but, you know, the media wasn't there. Like,
0: you know, we're very professional. You've said, you've on said enough, mate. All that, that was, stuff, that's mate. So, all you need to say,
1: they yeah, weren't there. They weren't there, mate.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, um, well, what we did over there was, was fully above board to within our rules of armed conflict. So, well, I have no doubts that, you know, I've done nothing wrong and, you know, all, all, all our teammates, mate, nothing will ever happen to them because we didn't do anything wrong. So it's something we, we just don't worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so like, yeah, 21st of October as well, we lost, uh, Scotty Smith during that clearance. Danica Jackie was like another solo guy. Um, and yeah, he basically, um, went into like a booby trap compound and just, yeah, uh, triggered a massive OED. So yeah, but like that, like that, that, that job, like I don't even know why we did that job. Um, probably just to say that we went down there and, you know, were the first Australian call sign to use tanks since Vietnam or something. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really unsure what it achieved. We, we did find a lot of like cases. Like we found a shitload of cases. Um, ticks, not too much because, you know, the Taliban aren't stupid. They're not going to fire AKs at a tank, are they? So, I don't oh, know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> But there was this one time I remember I looking at this tank. It was like the first day and um this tank was just getting hosed there by a go. couple of machine guns. There like a proper proper <laughs> hose. mate. Yeah, like like there was dust going all around it. Yeah. And like we were like you're just in a cold wood, like uh, up against the wall. And I'm looking at this tank and he's nothing phasing him, he's just like locking it in, waiting for it to stop. Yeah. And then just kept driving. Just yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, you know, down in Kajaki as well, like I was down there in two thousand and nine. On the first gig and where I was walking, like it looked so familiar. You know, I remembered like the valley, I oh, was sorry, not the valley, the dashed, uh, the different passes. I'm like, fuck, this is where I was in two thousand nine. So it was a pretty surreal moment. Um, you know, coming back, you know, four years later or mm-hmm. three years later. So but yeah, plenty of IDs um down there, man. So it's it's a place I wouldn't recommend anyone go. <laughs> <laughs> definitely,
0: definitely not. <laughs> don't now. go down there on a hole, <laughs> Mate, uh, okay, so that uh, that deployment ends uh, in February. And yeah,
1: yeah, stayed on for the winter rotation as well. So um, got a bit of rock all coming in for a week. Yeah, mate, a decent, decent stint
0: for you. Yep, bit of bit of cash, monies, tax free, man. Yeah, tax-free, it's good to go. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Yep. Yeah, mate, and yeah, as I said, that finishes February. Back to back to Holesley.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, you know what we're doing. I think we'll. Um, in back into Greenroll, uh doing some advanced full stuff. Um and that's when uh the longer PSDs, I think we got uh responsibility for those at that point in time. So we started spinning up um to do like three or four month gigs um in Kabul on the longer PSDs. So uh, myself and three other dudes went over there. Um really good mates of mine now. Like <laughs> we had a ball on that trip. Uh we stayed there for four months working out of um the international airport there in Kabul. And our principal was a uh, future uh, operations commander. He was a uh, Brigadier Marcus Thompson at the time. Yep. 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 Yeah. Really, really good dude. He's he's a fucking good dude, Tomo. And, and uh, when, like, when we're all back, like, cause it's essentially we had uh, three teams rotate on his rotation to look after him or provide security for him. And when he got back to Australia and like when we'll do something else, like he got all the families out, um, you know, took us all out for dinner. And um, like randomly times, like he'd ring up like the TLs, and we'd all meet him down at like um down at the front of LM Paddington there and get on the cans with him. Um, yeah, mate, just a really good dude, uh, really humble, a uh, really good uh, boss to work for over there. I was, I was pretty lucky that we, we got him because a few other guys are pretty questionable. <laughs> um, so so um, yeah, no, but yeah, uh, had, had a ball, um, and obviously did the like standard like PSD stuff over there. Looking after for those guys.
0: Yeah, nice mate. Then obviously here in two thousand thirteen, mate. Cam Bad. Yeah, Cam, Bed, yeah, Cam was, yeah, that's uh, right. So um twenty second of June two thousand thirteen. Yeah. yeah, so um VC-MG, my, I should yeah,
1: say. Yeah, so it's one thing about Cam, right? So uh I knew Cam through obviously from brother Company and then you know, uh, everyone knew Cam at the regiment. Um and then I remember when I was flying out, so I was ripping out and he was coming in. And he 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 came in a bit later. I think he had something wrong with him, a medical issue or something. Uh he had to take care of us. And we we're we we're at AMAB, um, and we just gobbing off. Um, in that little rec room they had there. He was like, you know what, Goody? He goes, I fucking hate this place. I can't wait to get back to TK. And I'm like, Yeah, man, like, no one likes this place. Um, everyone wants to either go home or we'll get into Afghanistan. But the funny thing is, right, he hated he really didn't like that place, but they named AMAB Campbed. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, no, I'm just thinking well, hey, you didn't like it. You didn't like that place, but you know, yeah, very respectful, but yeah. oh, I just know about you, right? So you just, just wanted to get out of there and, and, uh, get back into business. So, but yeah, like rant ceremony. Yeah. So we, we took care of that as well. So, um, I think, yeah, we took care of that. That was, um, I think it was up in, uh, Queensland. Uh, the service was obviously the Ramp ceremony was at, at Richmond again. Um, the brother company fellas brought him back. And, um, yeah, another fucking
0: ramp sorry, man. Uh, yeah, another one, mate. Yeah, mate. Cam mate, 10 years uh, anniversary this year was. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. So, yes. So, well, uh, you know, f- for people, anyone listening, head to CamScause.org.
1: Yeah, um, no, nah, cam, cam, yeah, no, nah, Cam's a great organization for us anyway. Um, definitely. Really help out a lot of our dudes. And, um, yeah, really appreciative that that's up and running. And there's actually dudes like, you know, giving their time to, to run that. So, yeah, um, shout out to all Kim's schools. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. (laughs) Now, mate, sorry, I'm just reading your bio, mate. Sorry, I just want to quickly touch on one of these PSD stories. First ever job with a VIP and had a crash (laughs) right off the chase car. Yeah, so it
1: was our first gig, and um, (laughs) the vehicles that we got were like, um, because because the FUOPS PSD was a new position, there weren't dedicated vehicles for it up-armored Land Cruisers for it, so we end up getting a um, an older like two hundred series uh, Land Cruiser and one of those old Jenkles, those like seventy nine series looking things. Um, and what happened right? So we were um, first job, we're trying to get around um, out the back there, try to get around a tanker because uh, the tanker was just being an idiot and um got on the com, say yeah, I'm going to punch around this guy, just you know follow me. Um, the the Jenkel or the 79 series um, was a manual, but it didn't have like braking like the 200 series does. So I was just gunned it to overtake this tanker. The Jenkel's up my ass. And then the tanker essentially um, swipes me and tries to cut me off. So I slam on the brakes, but this Jenkel fucking didn't slam on the brakes <laughs> and just like crumped us, like proper crumped us doing about like 80, 90K an hour. Um, and it was only lucky that... The 200 series we were in had this massive steel like bar on the back of it. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a railway sleeper. And, um, it essentially rode this jankle off. And, um, yeah, they, they just limped it back into, to Kaya, into the, the airport there. And then yeah, we will like run solo back and in, into the green belt. No, sorry, into the green zone, into the embassy there. So, um, yeah, first ever gig. And, um, we're just like, sorry, boss. That won't happen again.
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah, so bit of experience. Yeah, right, mate. Now so what's that 2013's done? 2014, 15. So pretty much this is the end of uh Afghanistan for you.
1: Uh is yes, so yeah, yep.
0: kinda winding up. Was it was that the last one?
1: 18? Yeah, well I'm pretty sure thirteen. End of 13. So, was the last SOTG? I think it's SOTG 20. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, because Bravo took over us um, in February. And then Charlie Company came in right at the end. Yeah, so, yeah, SOTGs were done, mate. So, um, you know, we knew that, you know, that last bit of kinetic fighting was probably not going to happen for a long, long time now. So, and I think this is where um, dudes started looking at other options. Um, what to do? Like, you know, what's what's my next flight mission? Like, what's the next purpose in life? Um, but yeah, like, you know, Iraq kicked off a couple, of, you know, a year later. We sort of gave dudes hope, um, to try to get stuck back into it.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, so, Bokra.
1: Yeah. Iraq. Yeah, so that, that was, um, yeah, the Iraq thing. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, mate. Yeah. So you guys. Bit of bit of hope there, thinking that there's going to be a bit of war fighting in, in Iraq. Yes, no, nah. but never really The <laughs> <Nah>. Australian <laughs> government didn't
1: want to do that, mate. So um, yeah, so our, our job was primarily just a, a training force to help train uh, the the, the CDS. I think they were called like the the counterterrorism CTS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was I think one CTR and two CTR. Um, and yeah, like you know. <laughs> their sole job was to retake Iraq from ISIS so that was their sole job so um it was good helping those guys out because they actually wanted to fight for their country unlike you know the Afghanis where they were just you know on the side that was going to win and they, they would just switch sides you know so um yeah went well, over there as the sniper there's the lead and just yeah man just ran sniper uh, courses for, for the Iraqis yeah ran, ran stuff like down at um in Baghdad and then up to Al assad
0: yeah, just chop and change it was good. Yeah, nice, mate, nice. And yep. yeah, as you said, mate, the are total different. You know, this is your first trip to Iraq as well, so it's totally yeah, different. That's right, total different fucking scenario. ISIS at that stage, two thousand fifteen or fourteen, they they had their offensive and they went too far out of baggers at one stage. Yeah, no, they weren't. So um, so our our task is to essentially help them
1: take Ramadi. So that was um, where our focus was, and that's where well the ground the ground forces focused on retaking Ramadi, and um, our job was to essentially provide training for the ground elements, but then also um, help with uh, coordinate the air because it was just all air in Iraq that that time in Iraq like it was just literally destroy a compound oh, sorry a, a, like a, a block and then put the ground in to clear it, and that, that's how they did it so. Um, there wasn't too much left of the of the towns yeah. sort of during the process, but yep. you know these these guys had like fucking huge like you know vehicle borne IDs coming at you know the Iraqis, so um, you know it, it wouldn't have been as an Iraqi, it, would, it wouldn't have been a good environment to fight in, knowing like these things coming with like 120 kilogrammes of explosives all and asked towards you know, <laughs> yeah. So there's actually a lot of it, really impressive footage. Um, you know, of, of ISIS using, using drones to coordinate the vbits. Yeah, uh, Ah, yeah. So that was quite impressive to watch. And, you know, there was a lot of other propaganda that was like floating around, like full production, like they had their own media teams and it was all propaganda, you know, trying to scare people. So, um, but yeah, like that was a really good trip as, as like a, a leader and a like really good trip for like professional development as well. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, zero, zero fighting for us I anyway, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, fucking mate. Uh, I reckon we could have uh, bummed shoulders again in baggage Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Early 2016. What's your thoughts here, mate? Now, obviously, the whole fighting capability is starting to... It, it's gone. That's it. That's, that's the end as of it, it.
1: As in the Australian fighting capability? Yeah. Yeah, well...
0: What's, yeah, the, this what's, what's the talk going around 2 Commando at this stage?
1: Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's probably like one of the reasons what made me start thinking about or questioning what's next for me. Um, but don't get me wrong, like, you know, places like 2 Commando and SSR, they're always going to be like super professional um, units, no matter what, right? So they're, they're always going to be in a position to take care of business, like when it, when it presents. Um, but like at that point in time, like oh, the whole, one of the whole reasons I went down the two commando path was purely to deploy in combat. I mean, that's, that's all I wanted. Um, and you know, I got that. But, and when it stopped, um, and then I started, you started noticing, um, you know, the wider hand of big army start pushing down on SOCOM. That's that's not why I joined, um, and I get it right. Like you know, adaptability is like one of the commander attributes, one of the you know, attributes of a Australian soldier. Um, I just found that hard to adapt to. That makes sense, um, and, you know. And I just yeah you know, thought that's when I started thinking about like what's next, what what's coming up next. So. Um, as in for the fighting capability, um, you know, I tell this to everyone that I talk to about all this stuff. The Australian army or the ADF in general was the most sharpest in 2013. So 2013 is when it was the sharpest. And ever since 2013, it was just slowly getting more blunter and blunter and blunter and blunter until it's like a butter knife, you know? And, um, and you know what, that's just like how it goes. Right. So, Vietnam, you know, I'm, I reckon the same thing happened in Vietnam. So after Vietnam, yeah, everyone's drills were like, you know, Smiko had all that like combat experience, all those like hardened like soldiers. And then time just pushed them out Um until that next conflict. And I think like that's sort of what's happened um with the ADF in general. You know, and where it's at now, you know, um, I don't really want to comment on that, but... <laughs> um. Yeah. 2013, mate, is is when it was the sharpest, and I only can talk about two commando. Yeah. And and like the rapid fucking growth I saw from when I first got there, like late 2008, to when I left, and especially during that Afghan time, like it was fucking out of control. Like, what? Yeah. So like all the equipment and all that stuff. Like we had to evolve. We had to make it better because dudes were dying, and it, we we had to do it. Where now that Now it's not that. Um, yeah, I'm not talking about two command. I'm talking about like ADF in general. Like it's all about fucking saving money. It's all about optimizing, like, you know, shrinking stuff down. And, you know, now it's all about distance, like fucking long range missiles and all that shit. So it's, it's a different army. It's a different ADF in general to what it was back then,
0: which is crazy because you look at the Ukraine Russian war, it's pretty much just uh, amplified the fact of what war is really about. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah, like,
1: ta- taking a fucking $2,000 missile and destroying a multi-million dollar platform. You know, like, it's just, yeah, like, the the stuff we thought, you know, it's just irrelevant now with, with like, the technology.
0: Yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah, for sure. However, still got the trench warfare fighting, which has gone back to the World yeah. War fucking era. Yeah, yeah exactly 100% fucking yeah, crazy, yep. absolutely crazy. Yep. So you do another stint in uh, TAG. Yep. And this is Yep. 2017 and you have your first, uh, first child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I and think that's what, become a bit of a priority now. A hundred percent mate. And that's just, and sort of that was the moment. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. Like I love to It was, it was my home. Best 10 years of my life. Hands down. Right. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, once, once you start bringing like, life in that rely on you and you get more responsibility, like your priorities change. And, um, you know, my priorities shifted then to my family. Like it essentially happened fucking overnight. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I was just like going away, um, away from my very young family um, and not really achieving achieving anything. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, and, yeah, and that's when, um, you know, and just like I was fucking getting cooked too, mate, about, you know, you know deployment after deployment after deployment, you know, high tempo, high tempo. And, yeah, you know, I just wanted, you know, um I didn't want to raise my kids like a lot of the dudes there were raising their kids I know it sounds like selfish but you know I wanted to be there for my kids I didn't want to be away more than I was there Yeah and that but that's just that was just me uh because you know um you know I saw you know some of the guys like kids like they were you know acting out like proper acting out it's because they didn't have a, like a proper father figure yeah, yeah. in their lives. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't want that to happen to me or my kids. You know, I want to be like super close with my with my kids. And, yeah, I wanted them to think I was their best friend. Yeah. And all that stuff. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, um, yeah, 2017, yeah, when I had my first child. And, um, yeah, man, family became a priority, not the ADF. That's it. So, 2018, yeah. mate. That's it. uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Essentially, like, like the wheel started in motion. Like, I think like late two thousand and seventeen, and then yeah, um, early two thousand and eighteen. Man, I was I was done, fully separated.
0: um, Yeah, off to the UAE for a couple of years. Yeah, Yeah. and when you say you moved to the UAE, you're working uh, doing this uh, consultancy work. Did you take your family over with you?
1: Yeah, I did. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, yes. Yeah, done, uh, the initial contract um, yeah, was a, was a type instructor at the national service school there. And, um, yeah, took the family over there, over there for a couple of years. And yeah, look, it, it was good. Um, it was good. The, the work, the work was a massive adjustment for me because I've come in from this like, you know, very, very professional unit, um, with high performing teams. Yeah, into the UAE, mm. into like a an environment where that's that's not the case. Um, and I really struggled with that. Um, I really struggled with, you know, being around people um, that that weren't cut from the same cloth. Um, and I think that's that initial transition going from like military, like you know, a, a unit like a SOCOM unit into another unit that's not like that. You know, even though it's the army, like you're surrounded by military people. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, it it was a good transition, but I just, I just, um, I just struggled a bit. Um, You know, that initial, that initial like uh, transition. Um, And yeah, but yeah, the family came over. Uh, We had our second child over there. So, always you know, give him shit. He's only three, but I call him the Arab, little Arab. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, he's a Queenslander, mate. We get, we get him in the Queensland jerseys. Yeah, now um, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was born in Dubai. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, man, moved, um, end up, well, my contract got terminated um, over there. So, um, end up moving back in 2020 during covid Um Back to, back to Australia, yeah.
0: All right, mate. So you get back to Australia 2020. Now back to Townsville and you get a job with the parents uh, in the construction company again. Now yeah. COVID's obviously starting to kick off. You know, how's your mindset and how does this affect you?
1: Yeah, well, um, we we're in a pretty heavy lockdown in the UAE, so it was like pretty strict. Um, and obviously coming back to Australia, we done the whole 14 days hotel, hotel quarantine thing. But then when we moved back up north and I started working for the family business up in Townsville, like we we sort of weren't really um, as locked down up here as they were down south and especially like in Victoria. So we're actually pretty lucky and um, like where my parents live, they've got a couple acres and we lived out the back of there for a while until we got on our feet. So like we were, you know, we had space, Um, you know, we had freedom of like movement, freedom of action Um, and Townsville Townsville didn't really get locked down per se. Like there was restrictions and obviously like all those, uh, like the necessary jobs and all that stuff was still in full effect. But, you know, no one really f- followed the rules. So <laughs> like dudes, <laughs> dudes were still out and it wasn't really spreading up here. So, you know, compared to down south, um, I think we had a lot better run. Because um, of the weather. So f- yeah, the weather. I think yeah. the heat just killed yeah, it. And then exactly. obviously it liked the cold, so it didn't really get too cold up here. Um, and you know what, for, like for the kids benefit, I think that was really good. Um, you know, cause I, I felt sorry for the, the kids when we were all locked up in an apartment block, um, in the UAE. And then obviously, um, you know, Victoria just dropped the ball, uh, during the whole process and <laughs> just uh, I felt sorry for those guys. I really did. And I felt sorry for the families and, and the kids. Um, you know if, what the government did, mate. It was fucking. It was it was a bit out of control. It was a b- bit of overkill.
0: It, <laughs> it, was, it was wild. It was, <laughs> it was, it was proper v- wild. It was very communist state. <laughs> mate, yeah, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, but um, yeah, mate, t- To answer your question, like um, compared to majority of it, like you know, Australia, I think we had it pretty good up here. Um, and yeah, you know, just my mental state too, mate. Like um, it was good to come back to the family, come to b- back to like my grassroots and and start and start again, start a life up here now. Um, you know, and, and obviously my, my parents are still here and they help out a lot with the kids and the family, which, which is great. Um, but yeah, so, um, that's sort of, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just in regards to the mental state though, you know, yep. you, you, Basically, left the military, went to the UAE, still in that military mindset, if you know what I mean. And then you come back to civilian life, obviously smashed by the communist state, and then <laughs> you know becoming pretty much a civvy and dad type thing. So, how how did you balance that?
1: Yeah, so I was I was just lucky that I've got a really loving family, a real close family, and and like you know a family that I love and a wife that supports me no matter what. Um, so that sort of whole transition, it was hard, obviously, like you said, um, going from like, you know, to commando, um, to that real like, you know, that, that culture, that real close tribe, um, going into the UAE and experience, um, you know, obviously probably the opposite there. Everyone's sort of just out for themselves. Um, and then coming straight into City Street where there's none of that and obviously COVID sort of. They blocked that as well with like everyone hanging out together, me catching up with my buddies from back in the day. So I was just lucky that like my family, um, supported me. Um, and we all love each other. So a real like knit family sort of helped me out. But yeah, mate, I, I did struggle. Like obviously coming from, from that military tribe, you know, as people say in, into like the big bad, you know, sea ocean by yourself. Um, and then it's just you and your, your close crew, which is your family. Um so, so I did struggle with that. Obviously, there was an adjustment period. Um, but you know, you just gotta push through it, I think, and um not play a victim and always try to um make stuff happen for yourself and and, and do what you can and especially with with a family and responsibility. Like we had we had three mortgages. Um we had an apartment in Melbourne. Um, student accommodation, and and there was no one in it for two years. Yeah, oh so, shit. In yeah, Melbourne, so. in Melbourne, oh, yeah, oh, oh, down oh. <laughs> in Swanson Street. Like it's a gold, it's a gold mine now, and always was, but that yeah. two year period, man, it, it and it financially like um fucked us, um put us back, and then we had um had a property in in Brisbane with with shit tenants that that proper fucked us as well, and then obviously our place in Townsville and all that as well, mate, just compounded like mentally on me and put a lot of pressure on me to try to get out there and, and earn the dollars to, 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 to sort all that stuff out Um, but you know what time passes man and nothing lasts forever and you just gotta like make it work yeah. uh, with the situation that you're in yeah and so
0: what were the plans You you're, so you're doing a bit of work yeah, for your parents yes yeah, so, yeah, so
1: I did yeah mate so they, they give me a start um, and yeah I was rigging so I was rigging and crane driving for them and doing a bit of ball making as well so sort of that, you know, what we talked about back in the day, school-based apprenticeship stuff and work experience, it, it come in handy. And later every time I'd come back on our holidays, mate, I'd try to get behind the grinder and keep my man skills up. And I, I really enjoyed it coming back to Australia um and like buying all my tools and really having in the man skills where, you know, in the army, you can't really do that because you're in rental properties or in, yeah. in apartments. And especially in the UAE, like you can't, you know, you can't have a grinder or a welder in the UAE, <laughs> you know, you'll burn those frigging, you know, slave put together apartments down with all that, um, cloud they have having it. So <laughs> yeah. So no, like I, I enjoyed it, mate. And I think that sort of helped out as well quite mentally is just, um, focusing on, um, getting those skills back up, mate. Um, you know, no gunfight anymore. Now it's all about, you know, building and, you know, just, you know, hooking in, building the back area for the house and that and helping the family, yeah, but yeah, I've I done, I done some rigging for a fair while, and obviously, my parents gave me a start, and, and helped us out a lot, um, and I'm real thankful for that. Um, we wouldn't be where we are today without those guys, and, and, and you know, like, I also need to give big thanks to my family, especially, like, my wife, Jessica, um, like, all the psychos and mental cases you have on you, Matty, like, there's always <laughs> nine, nine out of ten, there's always, yeah, like, a, a good woman behind him. and, um, you know, Jess really helped me out going through that transition, and yeah, if it wasn't for her, we've been through a lot together. And um, you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't for her, um, there'd probably be a little bit of a different outcome. But um, yeah, and you know, I wouldn't probably be as stable in that without Jess, especially during that transition uh, process.
0: Yeah, right, mate. Yeah, yeah. And just as I I'll just touch on that, mate. You, yeah, yeah. Obviously your your parents as well, they gave you a bit of a fucking a breeze back into civil life by giving you a job, you know.
1: They, yeah, well, you know, that did, mate. Like, they're, they're in a position to do that. Um, you know, they've they got a pretty successful construction company and they're always looking up, looking for, you know, reliable dudes. And I wasn't going to let them down. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for that as well, along with my wife. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just lucky, mate. I've got a really good, close family that supports me. And I know I'm luckier than, than most. A lot of people don't have that, um, especially during their transition. So I think that's a massive reason why people spiral out of control. Is that, you know, um, that, that wider family, but also that close family, like your wife and kids. Um, you know, we're super close. We're, we're like a real tight team, me and my wife, and, and especially with the kids. We're at a basketball side now, mate. You know, two, two, two adults and, and three kids, mate. We make up a basketball side. So um, we're, we're super tight as a family. Yeah, and I, I picked up um, picked up a casual gig on the side as well with a, a contracting company up here that they, they contract back to the fence. So I did that casual as well, part time between um whenever they had like big exercises on. I used to embed with one of the training centres up here and either provide, you know, like a, a bit of a planner or a tactical analysis on uh on some of the war fighters. So that that really helped out as well and that was pretty good money. Uh especially like we were we were like proper in the red. So, you know, that that uh that contract and money sort of helped out um along the way and and yeah, I end up um, picking up a full time gig with them, um, and that's where I currently am, am now, mate. So I'm uh, embedded at uh, at one of the training centres up at Laverick and uh, a planner, and we sort of help plan uh, the big wolf fighting exercises uh, all through Australia. So yeah, really enjoy it. I work with a good good bunch of dudes, and that's that's where I am now, mate. And um, that's that's my full time gig that that pays all the bills. And and yeah, so that that's where I am.
0: Yeah, nice. Nice, mate. Now, mate, we've been chatting for fucking quite a while now. It's been absolutely just uh, just insightful, mate. I'm so glad you reached out and, uh, you know, wanted to share your story because it's just, you know, it ties in just magically just because, you know, I know some of these people that have, you know, uh, passed away and... You know, we've got a lot of mutual friends, et cetera. And it's just an- another angle to the stories of w- what's happened out there, especially in Afghanistan, mate, and the evolution of fucking two And, you know, yeah. for you coming from fat, lazy truck driver to you know, <laughs> being on the fucking, you know, the pointy end of the spear, you know, like, yeah. Well, I yeah,
1: think of listened to all, the, all your podcasts, mate, and. You know, there's a couple you – yeah, know, a fair few Delta guys, you know, some private company guys. So I thought yeah. we'd get alpha company follow-up, man. There you go. And a shot. yeah. So.
0: <laughs> represent, represent. Now, mate, uh, what I've got is a couple of final questions that I asked most of my guests, mates. And, yep. uh, mate, first question, what advice can you give to people just to keep on keeping on Complete any guy they set their mind to and, and fucking crush it again, yeah, mate, yourself, truck driver to fucking operator. Yeah, so –
1: sort of long and hard about this. So, you know, a lot of the dudes give out on there, mate. you give some really good advice. But what I'll do is I'll wrap it up a bit like a holistic approach and I'll, I'll summarise at the end. So from my experience, um, you know, the the first like advice um for life, right? It's and that's like from in the military going to like the contracting space, going to the civilian market. So it's not what you know, it's it's who it's who you know. You know, I don't care, like, who you are or what you've ever done. If you don't know the right people in the right spots, you're on the back foot and you probably won't get a start. You know, like, the, the most valuable skill I ever learnt, um in SOCOM was the ability to network, right? So, you know, if you are constantly going out there networking in anything you do, right, whether you're fucking driving a truck... Whether you're, you know, on a PSC, whether you're on some exchange program in the States or on a Telus and Sabre, right? You know, the more you network, the greater the chances, like later on down the track, there's going to be that person that's going to give you a start that can help you out. You know, so, and probably like the second part, right? Is, um, you know, just own everything you do in life. Yeah. So, you know, Stop looking for fucking hand... Oh, sorry. Yeah, stop looking for fucking handouts, you know, and just, like, if you fuck up, you fuck up, you know, eat a bit of humble pie and just, you know, get on with life. Um, You know, at the end of the day, right, so being a commando, uh, being a tanky or an armoured cool guy, like, that shit doesn't mean shit in Civvy Street mm. in, like, the corporate world. Like, the skills the military teach guys don't really, like, equal fucking anything mm. in city Street, you know, so... You know, it's up to you to constantly upskill yourself. Like we, in the military, the military is constantly upskilling you. So what make you like an asset, right, to the military and the teams? You know, dudes looking to get out um, or even dudes in now, like you need to just constantly upskill yourself to make you look like a valuable fucking member of your next team. You know, and you just can't like get out of the military and just expect stuff, which a lot of people do. Yeah, like you need to fucking own it, and you need to make it work, right? So, yeah. To, to summarise it, maybe like so, you know, just continually network, and just always look for opportunities to make yourself better,
0: upskill. Cool. Yeah, mate, that's that's probably one of the best fucking explanations or a bit of advice you can give. But, mate, I'm totally with you. I know, and there's nothing worse than seeing these people. I've, and I've I've got them running a security company, mate. You get these people getting yep. out of the army. Thinking that, you know, they've done a trip to fucking Iraq or trip to the fucking Solomon Islands and think they yep. fucking can yeah. transfer into civvy life and should be at the fucking top of the food chain as soon as they get out and
1: shut the fuck up We'd, Yeah, you know, no hundred percent man and you know you know. Well, I, I saw that yeah, I saw that like fucking overseas yeah. contracting. Is like you could be the fucking best operator at you know, a special forces unit, but some fucking boob from fucking one or two power in the UK We'll get that gig because he and knows someone. the fucking supervisor exactly. mate. Yep. Exactly. yep.
0: So All right, mate, uh second question. What is the plans for the future?
1: Yeah, so um I'm looking at taking probably about two and a half three months off fair truth, Matty. I'm I'm am just cooked from um, you know, I didn't really take long service back at two commando. I transitioned out, went straight for UAE, got all my all my long service, uh I had about eighty days in the book, I think, and got all that paid out so Straight back into working. So, um, you know, a few things have lined up now and I can afford to take a bit of time off. Um, and we're like in the down period of, uh, of like the exercise season too. So we're planning for next year, but, um, you know, I, I can do all that sort of pretty much from home and, and just, just, just going to work now and then. So, but, um, yeah, during that time off, mate, I'll, um, I've got a, you know, I build web, websites on the side. I've been building websites, um, like since I was a kid, but like probably, probably for the last like five or six years. Um, used to have a consumer electronic business back in two uh, build the website for that. Um, it's just on the Shopify platform. But then when I was in the UAE, because like the work was so mind, mind, like numbing and I was just getting dumb, had to, um, had, to, you know, had to, had to like, you know, exercise the, the brain. So, man, I started building websites over there for buddies that were starting up like startups and businesses. Yep. And, um, yeah, I just keep getting inquiries back, back home now. i build a couple back home and, I just thought, fuck it, mate. I'm going to, um, you know, create my own little studio and, um, and go from there, mate. So, um, yeah, like the studio is called Studio 079. Yep. Um, the website's uh, dot com. And yeah, man. So what, what I'm like niching in is just helping out like veterans or current like, you know, serving members, um, first responders and athletes just to, if they've got like a startup or, or a business, they want to get off the ground. Um, yeah, man, get on to me and I'll help them out. You know, I'll, I'll tell them what the no bullshit, what they need and what they don't need and help them set it up. And, and, a, and I'll build a, um, <laughs> sorry, but I've got this kid in the background just <laughs> kicking off because of the dummy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll build them a super responsive, um, and fast website, mate, uh, through a platform I use. Um, yeah, so that's, the, that's the plan, mate, f- um, for the future. Take the next couple of months off until January when we go back. Back to work proper, but um, during that time, I'll I'll get the studio up up and going, mate. Um, and and hopefully help people out. Like anyone that listens to this podcast, um, or any you know any veterans, first responders, um, you know athletes and ex athletes, because I know you know like ex ex athletes are pretty much like us. You know they they come from a tribe that well they were at a tribe for a, a period of time, and you know once once that professional athlete like career is over, like much like ours, they're off sending for himself, mate. Um, in city street. So uh, ha- happy to help out sort of that group of people uh, put something together and, um, you know, get their brand out there. And um, if I can help them out that way, you know, it just takes one less pain off them and saves them a bit of time, then I'm uh, ha- happy to do that.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. Nice, mate. Actually, Zero yeah. Limit's podcast might be looking for a new, uh, website soon. So,
1: mate, I've got, I've got spots. I've got, I've got, I've got one, one company. One of the boys has hit me up. So I reckon he's me first, but I'll, um, uh, I'll definitely mate, yeah, take mate. you on if, yeah, we'll, if, if, if that's what you need, mate. Yeah, like, I'll, we'll talk yeah, about Yeah. You know, well, like I, I look at everyone's. Everyone's websites, man. So everyone that comes on the podcast, I go on their websites and I I critique it and I say, "No, that's shit. I like that. Yeah, I do. uh, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And I've got to figure like, so I I don't use WordPress. um, Yeah. You know, in in my opinion, my WordPress is like real slow and just how it has to update. I use a platform called Webflow. Yeah. um, And it's probably one of the fastest uh, hosting servers I've come across and you can just do so much with it. Um, super responsive and whatever you want, you can do with it. Um, it just takes a, f- a few tweaks and, um, all that, mate. So I've, I've sort of mastered that over the last two years. I've been on that about two years now, just, um, sort of refining my skills on that.
0: Oh, Exercise yeah. yeah. so exercising that brain. Mate, I have to,
1: eh? Or, you know, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just me. I'm, I've got, like, you know, not ADHD, but I've just got a real addictive personality. And sort of once I latch onto something and fully understand it, I just want to learn more and, mate, I'm the and same. be the
0: best I can. I'm the same. I think it comes from that that military mindset, mate. You just want yeah, to mate. Keep, keep thriving and complete 100%. goals.
1: 100%. Yeah, and why not, mate? You know, you don't want to, like, go stagnant and you don't want to, like, settle for anything less than your standards, so...
0: Yeah, exactly. Mate's uh, yep. third question. Uh guilty obsessions or I guess uh you know some something that people don't know about you.
1: Um well, a lot of people close to me and know me from to Commander know that I love to eat. Um <laughs> you know I'll I'll fucking smash anyone mate at an in contest I don't care who you are, how big you are. Oh fuck. I'll put I'll, I'll put you away, I guarantee. It. <laughs> but but like I do love to cook desserts, so like cheesecakes. Um, uh, ch- chocolate, chocolate ripple cakes, um, mate, all that stuff. And, um, uh, and smoking, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big smoker. So, oh, yeah. I yeah, am, mate. Yeah. A couple oh. of years ago, I bought my first, well, when we first, um, moved into a place in Townsville, um, so good. Yeah. I bought a, a Traeger. Yeah. Um, uh, 885, I think Ironwood, one of the, the, the bigger ones. So I bought one of those and, yeah, man, it's expensive to, <laughs> pellet smoker. Well, yeah, pellet smoker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I think, like, once we're looking at buying a big property, um, sort of out bush a bit. So I think once we do that, I'll get a proper offset wood smoker. Um, but like just where we are now, we haven't got room for a big, big dirty fucking drum mate. So, um, little pellet smoker looks a bit better out the back. So, um, yeah, so I love smoking, man. I love cooking desserts and I, most of all, mate, I love eating it all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's funny because majority guys go through that stage of smoking meats and then it'll yeah. turn to lawn care and then
1: yeah, <laughs> and they re- do. Growing vegetables. Yeah, well, lawn care, mate. Before smoking meats, you're right. It, it was lawn care because I ripped up all my lawn. I done all. I done all the back in your house, mate. I'd laid all turf, mate, and lawn care was like a yeah, priority for about a couple of months there. <laughs> yeah, there'll be something next. Yeah. Oh, there would be, mate. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever comes next, I suppose. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Yep. Um, is that it? Was that
0: it? That's it? Yeah. yeah that's oh, and then probably
1: how people contact me as well, oh, yeah. I reckon. <clears throat> <Yep>. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, right, mate. That's uh, that's interesting. Now, mate, if people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, probably the best place, um, just go onto the website, so uh, studio079.com, Um all the details up there or my email is just mel, mal at uh, studios zero, zero 079.com. I'm on the socials, but I never post on the socials. I really hate the socials. Um, I think that's the best, the best spot to get me. Um, and obviously dudes that know me, you know, reach out in time and yeah, you know, I really encourage guys. Um, if you've got an idea and you want to like, yeah, you know, just fucking do it. Just, um, just have a crack and, um, I'm, I'm happy to ch- sit down and help you out, uh, where I can. Ah, uh, to try to get your brand out there, uh, through a website.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. Easy, easy. Yeah. Definitely, definitely get in contact. If you can't get in contact with him, reach out to me, and uh, I'll shoot him a message. And yeah, we can get people. Mate, you can be yeah, build yeah, websites for anyone. Hundred percent, mate. Any, any time of the day. Yeah, any time of the day.
1: I know dudes all over the world, so any time day, just reach out, um, and I'm more than happy to have a chat.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Mate, again, appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. It's been absolutely fucking hectic just to hear your story. Uh, you know, I spoke to a few, two Commando boys. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting goody on. And they're like, oh, white goody or black goody? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> oh, white goody. Yeah, yeah, white goody, mate. They, white goody is a good dude, too, man. Um yeah. Like oh yeah, we've been together for a long time, to and uh, elf company, so you know, but yeah, there's white goody yeah, but he he likes to refer to himself as goody actual. <laughs> goody actual Yeah. I'll give him that though. I'll give him that. Might, so, have, to so, him um, Might have to get him yeah. on. Oh mate, yeah. He's a dude you want to get on. Um Definitely. So, um, he got some hectic stories, mate. And he's got a, he's got an award too that he probably won't tell you about. But he's got a really um high up their award too. So,
0: yeah, nice, mate. Nice, Matt. Yeah, as I said, mate, really appreciate you coming on, and sharing your story. It's been absolutely hectic just to hear another two commando side, especially you know dealing. You know, you were there when uh, Merv's chopper went down, and I've got a you know really close connection with with merv and um yeah mate just incredible and then obviously to see you flourish outside of the military is what i love to see you know it's always that transition period that blokes find it hard and as we've seen in the past mate a lot of blokes have you know pulled the pin and um you know kill themselves etc so it's good to see you know someone like yourself uh, exercise that brain and keep moving forward so mate again thank you
1: yeah, appreciate it, mate. And you know what, mate? I appreciate everything you're doing too with uh, getting dudes like myself and and the, and the other operators and all the other like pers to tell their story because, you know, if anyone's like me, been in an environment like me, mate, I'm starting to forget a lot of things like due to obviously a number of factors, but it's always good to, um, you know, get our stories out there for people to listen. And I appreciate your platform and, and doing what you're doing, mate, to, to, to help us facilitate that. So thanks again.
0: No, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. We'll have to catch out one day.
1: Mate, 100%. When are you up north, mate, you make sure you give me a call and we'll get on the gas. Where's the buffet? Where's the buffet? Mate, the buffet at the casino. I'll take you to a good buffet. Oh, yeah. uh, good seafood buffet. Ex- got everything. Yeah, mate, everything. it's good to go, mate, oh, 100%. Yes, we're actually excited. going there next week. Uh, are yeah. We're going there. Yeah, yeah, we're going there, mate. We go there all the time. Oh,
0: shit, I might have to come up. I've got to, I've got to go see Phil Thompson anyway, so I've got to yeah. yep. this, I'll yeah, add mate. that to the list. Buffet. You're Phil Thompson Buffet, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. at the bill, mate. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, awesome, mate. Yep. Catch ya. Uh, thanks, buddy. See you, brother. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to dot au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour over filter bags, got some merchandise, and just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLimits. Now look in our buyer, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.